Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. Who messy distance professional wrestler Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wicker Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare miss Booking the Territory. Oh, yeah. This is a one-man gang. You're listening to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast, where today we're talking NWA Saturday night on TBS from November the 21st, 1987. This is the quote-unquote go-home show, or the last show before Starcade 1987, and then later in this episode, it is part one with Les Thatcher. Yes, I sat down with Les a couple of weeks ago. If you're a patron, you would have heard it by now, but no worries if you're not, because Part one will be this week, and part two will be next week. Now, Doc, I would ask you how you're doing, but we just cut a 30-minute patron episode on the current affairs and pro wrestling, amongst many other things. So I'll ask Harper. Harper, how are you? I just got back from Atlanta, bro. Almost didn't make it. Really? (sighs) Yeah. Out of bail, fucking Becky Lynch, out of fucking jail. She fucking yeah. called me up all fucking crying. I'm stuck in jail. Those cops were real. Fuck. I was like, hold on, baby. She was all pissed off. She might Mr. Bookings and shit. It's like, fuck. Okay. I'll be over there. Fuck. Your Becky Lynch imitation is not good. It used to be no. good. I mean, how do you do it? She sounds like the Highlander. Like Duncan <laughs> McCloud. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan McCloud. I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> I am immortal. Inside me is the blood of kings. It's nice. Well, there, you go. there you go. I have Ooh. no rival. No man can be my equal. Sing it, remember this, Yeah. Remember this afternoon when we said, you, you wonder what Harper's doing right now. <laughs> who, who knew he was in Atlanta rescuing <laughs> Becky Lynch? Oh, yeah, bro. Picked her up for, we up really just... Makeup. Was all we thought, fucking fucked up. We thought you were driving around Metairie fucking fighting ducks and shit with a wife. <laughs> <laughs> that was our best guess, but who knew you were saving the the female division of WWE? Right. Yeah, I, I got to say, that's what I thought he was doing. Fighting yeah. ducks and shit. Uh, hey, I got an announcement real quick before we actually get into the meat of this show. So, uh, Doc, you did not know this, and Harper, you were not aware I was going to mention this, but... Not counting like bonus shows we've done because we've done about three or four of those over the last uh, few years, along with the Smoky Mountain shows, not counting those either or Patreon shows. This is the 200th episode of this BTT flagship show that we have done. That means for 200 straight weeks, this show, which is now the NWA Saturday night show, it was once the top five show. We even did Raw, SmackDown and Impact bullshit on this show. This show has aired for 200 straight weeks weeks 
And this is the 200th version of this show. Wow. Well, fucking A. That was. That's called you're, consistency, baby. You're, fu- you're fucking welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, And if you count... If you if you do count Patreon shows, bonus shows, shit, that's just what over four hundred. Yeah, no, shit. Yeah, if you, that may be like closer to five hundred. Jesus, well, I don't count. Not counting like the video reviews because that's kind of the same thing as this show. But if you do like just the audio patron shows, bonus shows, and then Smoky Mountain shows, yeah, it's um, I, I got it at about. Four, 425, 430. Uh, I don't have an exact count, but it's well over 400. That's called rolling, bro. We should be on Westwood One. There you go. Now you're there talking you go. Jericho Network. Yeah, we should we should be on we should be on Westwood One for sure. But you know, yeah. uh, Doc. Nah, they would have to play their dumbass game, and I ain't into that shit. I ain't no corporate fucking idiot yeah. like these fucking assholes on WWE. You like that? What'd you think of them messing up Rick's birthday, man? I was I didn't watch it. All I saw was fucking <laughs> Becky go to jail. Dude, y- y'all know how they could have made that shit look fucking great? Uh, if they were all naked. Well, no, I- I'm telling you, you get Triple H needs to who's ever in charge of the police, who's ever the, the fucking top cop for that building, he pulls them to the side and says, Look. This is what we're doing, right? He tells them, you know, she's going to jump and blah, 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 blah. What can we do? Taser. That, that can be the, the most highest disturbing the peace to where we push the envelope to where it's the most you can stay at, at disturbing the peace. And you find out what that is. And you have her do it. And you have her legit arrested put her in a real fucking police car by real fucking cops brought to a real fucking jail, press real fucking charges with a real fucking mugshot. And it's just a disturbing the peace charge. And the fucking WWE attorney goes and pays some bullshit, $200 fucking fine. She's in jail for like an hour. She's out. The charges get fucking dropped and nothing fucking happens. That's you what t- this shit does. You, you know what I can tell Mike? Uh, what? Harper's never worked a goddamn day in a real corporation. Because <laughs> that all is great, well thought out, makes perfect sense. And because all you gotta do is fucking drop the charges. And then, that's and then not how. Happens. No, our our shareholders don't like that negative publicity. Harper. Oh God. <laughs> our corporate partners. Our charities, the foundation, um, our our customers, the 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 ad revenue. No, no, Ugh, that's no. fucking perfect. No, the that that will that will negatively impact the brand. Oh, excuse me. Right. Excuse me for making it look real or sound real. That's not what we're here to do, Harper. We're here to get over with shareholders. <laughs> we are we're we're here to promote how to fucking train your dragon too while the guys are coming out to the ring, which kills their fucking entrance. Why even have a fucking entrance when you're just gonna throw a fucking uh, commercial up of with, with some fucking kid movie? Well, we found through extensive market research <laughs> that 
that people don't mind to be co-branded, have co-branding and cross-integrated marketing uh, strategies employed at the same time. We could do this all night. Yeah, but I do, I, mean, I do this. I do this for a living. So, Doc and I just spent twenty-five, thirty minutes talking about the shit that happened this past right, Monday. They, they fired Arn. Do you think they give a shit about you, what your wrestling concerns are? Yeah. Why they yeah. fight? They, they just let him go, or, or no? There... Apparently, he and Vince got into it backstage, yelling at each other. That's nice. Vince is cracking the, up, dude. Vince is looking and you, old. And if you want the full version of what really happened, because Doc has sources, it's up on. It'll be up on Patreon by the time this show airs. It'll be. It'll be uh, titled "Pre-Show November Twenty First, Nineteen Eighty Seven, Saturday Night." Uh, Doc had some sources in the back, and he found out what happened. That's right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let me uh, do a couple I was things. An, I'm an industry insider. Sure, you are, pal. Uh, shout out to our largest patron contributors monthly who are Hall of Fame patrons, disrespectfully classy, Marky Blassie, at K underscore row 86 and Mike Childry. And then I got a couple of new shout outs uh, from um, new patrons, Kelvin Robin, Brian Daughtry, uh, Marlon Mueller, who is at Half Pints Point on Twitter, moved over to Patreon from Podbean. He is now a Hall of Fame patron member. Cody Bryant, longtime BTC Hall of Fame patron, made the move over to Patreon too. Thank you, Cody. And then Josh Warren, longtime Patreon member as well, or patron member, also made the move over to Podbean and is now a BTT Hall of Fame patron. So uh, thanks, everybody, for moving over to Patreon. Don't forget, on Patreon, you get the video versions of the show along with uh, you know the audio plus all the extra stuff we do, which is the world-class shows and whatnot. So, Doc, do you have any Docaholic Spotlights for the week? Uh, no, but what I do think we should do instead of that is talk about our new pricing structure where we double the price on everybody. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> is that what? Because that's what corporations do. Yeah. That's but nice. and, and here's what you get for your doubled rate. Um, no more cursing. A free reach around from Doc. We're gonna no. We're gonna be more professional. And if you want to pay extra, we'll let Harper curse on like just a very limited basis. It's a pay-as-you-go kind of cursing. Everyone would cancel. He's got to use the fucking promo code. Fuck you. Yeah. 15 for 15% off. <laughs> the promo code would be fuck you 15. <laughs> uh-huh. ah, that's nice, Harper. <laughs> How long do you think it is at all these damn podcasts where these companies are like fucking advertising and then they have the meeting and they're like, so are we getting anything out of those wrestling podcasts? And then everybody cracks up laughing and they cancel their order. That sucks. I mean, we've been listening to podcasts long enough where like, you know, Casper mattress was a thing at a time. No fucking Blue apron, Blue apron. The fucking dog snacks. Dude, I'm so glad Valentine's Day's over. I'm so glad Valentine's Day's over. So those goddamn dip, gold dip roses, shit. I don't have to hear about that ever again. Wait, gold I shit. just heard. I heard. I just heard that one within the last week. I was listening to a Bischoff show on Super Brawl three, and I heard them talk about the gold dip roses. I was like, holy shit. That's some white people shit right there. Yeah, Actually, fuck. that's black people. Yeah, shit. that's some black people. That, that's some tacky ass. Fucking New Orleans East bullshit. 
gold tip fucking roses because they last forever. Get the fuck out of here, man. No, it's not a gold tip rose. It's a gold dipped rose. Like the whole yeah. fucking rose is yeah, in gold, that's not tip. Stupid. <laughs> you ain't got to. Bro, how much is, to the choir. How much is this fucking gold dipped rose? I wasn't stupid enough to look up the price of it. Uh, too late, asshole. It already happened. Once the bullet leaves the barrel, you can't fucking bring it back. That's nice, Hopper. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't dumb enough to look up the price of it. Fuck that. Fifty nine ninety five. Stephen yeah. Singer. Fifty nine ninety five. For fifty nine ninety five, man, they just that's like a, a a molecule of gold on there, maybe. Yeah. Dumb shit, bro. If you get the kind of woman that's impressed by shit like that, <laughs> go home. But fucking leave her. You know she's got like jewelry in her face and all kinds of shit. Yeah, she's probably got that that fucking uh, Doctor <laughs> Quinn medicine woman, a, a, a woman fucking chained from fucking Zales or whatever. It's nice. Got like fucking two inch finger fake fingernails and shit. She's probably got the eyelashes on her on the headlights of, of her two thousand and four Nissan Altima. Gosh. <laughs> He said that before on the show, and he's not lying. <laughs> he is not lying. All right, Doc, you got any shout-outs, man? Yeah, uh, I'm going to shout out the Bottom Line Wrestling Podcast since they don't think I, I'm aware of what they're trying to pull off. They need to keep their mouth shut over there on, on Twitter <laughs> where they're talking about um, shout-outs and shit. I listen to everything. I got my ears on everything. I'm reading everything. And if you guys don't want to get a stunner, Y'all might want to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, Mike, he's fucking with you, man. I'm glad you mentioned Mike, though. He's a really good dude. He really is, is. he? Yeah, yeah, he really is. Um, what what else you got, Doc? Um, nothing really. I don't really see a lot of people doing a lot of things that are worthy of being called out right now. So I say we get on into the show. He's fucking with people, dude. <laughs> no. Wait, 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 wait. Harper, did you see our girl Tammy got popped again? Well, she didn't pay the her her fine, or she got another DUI. Number six. Damn, bro, she's going to prison, bro. Yeah, six. man. Six. Oh. How are you gonna get popped for D- six DWIs, man? <laughs> I'm known some real shitheads in my time. Yeah, no couldn't, couldn't get north of three. Damn, bro. Put this way: if she gets five of them, she's an ace. She has five kills. She has six. Dude, she it says here she was stopped just after 6.30. P.M. P.M. Well, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a New Orleans saying, dude. <laughs> um, I'm serious, bro. New Orleans is a city where you are liable to run into drunks at 11 a.m. that just started drinking at 6.00. Well, they reportedly they reportedly charged her with failure to stop at a stop sign, driving the wrong way on a one way street, and driving with a suspended driver's license. I'm not laughing. This is sad, dude. Because she's she's well. Now we're not going to get her on the show, so it is sad. That is. I mean, we're going to have to like do the thing with the glass and the red phone and. She's going to have to put the red phone to, to the fucking... She'll put, her, she'll put her hand up to yours on the glass. <laughs> <laughs> we have less stature as a guest. And this is the type of stuff. You two... I bet Les has some stories 
too, if we're going to be honest. <laughs> i tell you what, man. He is a classy dude. God, well, it was good talking to him. He's He seems like a really great guy. I got a chance to peruse the audio earlier, and I got to tell you, he's a class act, but he's going to be the only one here. <laughs> classy Bruh. guy. No, no, he had a good time, he said. So I guess Tammy's out. Yeah, that's... That sucks, she's, man. She's going to have to do some time at some point in a serious stretch. Yeah, she's about yeah. to do some time, yes. Six DUI. She's going to prison, bro. Well, why is the sixth one any different than the fifth one? Well, no, exactly. it's not just that. She violated her parole, too. I mean, it's like there's multiple. She's, Mike, she's white. We don't worry about shit like that. Oh, and she's okay. famous. Yeah. She's got, she's got Tito Biggies. Yeah, but she goes away for 10 years. It's going to be a wrap when she gets back. She can't. Mm-hmm. Shit. She right. can't. Her 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 business model is to do things on film, dude. Yeah, she's I mean, seriously. I ain't trying to be funny. Yeah, right now she's like she's like territory wrestling in like 1990. It's like this is the end of it, and she's gonna she's not gonna be able to do it. It's over. Okay, all right. Let's get into Saturday night. How does that sound? I love it, pumpkin. <laughs> all right. Oh Jesus. So we are covering NWA Saturday night from November the 21st, 1987. And again, this is essentially the, you know, go home show before Starcade 87. So we're only a few days away as of this, uh, this taping and Tony Schiavone opens up the show and, um, he really doesn't say much. He, he talks for a minute or two and then he brings a uh, big dusty in. So doc, I'll throw it to you, um, uh, I was going to play Dusty here because I think he's amped and he says something that I think all of us are feeling at this point. Uh, if you agree with me, say yes, you agree, and I will hit play on the, is on this, the audio. Is this before they throw out the UNO Lakefront Arena? They didn't mention that, huh? Go to 238. No, this is before then. Okay, I didn't even before. fucking catch that. I know they- Yeah, I didn't catch it either. So after Dusty at two thirty eight, they talk about the UNO. I thought you guys could tell us what went down there that night. All right, well, let me hit play uh, on Dusty here, and because he's amped up and he just tells us it's time. We're here today, Doctor Dusty Williams, the Nature Boy Rick Blair, and the man himself, Stardust, just back from New York City, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Well, I tell you what, the news throughout the country now, Starcade nineteen eighty seven, just a few days away. Everybody gets his shot. Everybody gets a shot at the big time, Lex Luger. Let's talk about Lex Luger, the total package, the man destined to be a legend, the man that wants to beat Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, the United States Heavyweight Champion, and in Starcade 1987 in Shot Down Heat, you get your chance at destiny, my man, because Dusty Rhodes lays it on the line. Starcade 1987, Shot Down Heat, glory bound. And the night before New York City, we're going to tear it up. I mean, completely tear it up. And then the bunkhouse stampede. Don't think for one minute, Lex Luger, that Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, ain't going to be at the stampede. And I'm going to be at the stampede with the United States heavyweight title around my waist. Lex Luger, total package, great athlete. But can you be the legend? Can you be the legend? Are you bad enough to be the legend? I don't think so. Let's get on with it. Stop talking about it. Stop doing it. All right, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. Yeah, I mean, Dusty, the, what he said at the end was everything. Uh, let's stop talking about it. Let's do it. i kind of been feeling like that for a few weeks now. Uh, Harper, what would you have? Can he beat the legend? I can. Yeah. I guess we're going to see. I guess we're going to see when we do part one of Starcade next week. Actually, we're doing part uh, one next week? Yeah, Starcade's next week. Oh, boy. Sure we're not going to um, do the whole thing? There's only seven matches. 
Um, let's I'm be, I'm, remember, I'm going to be dialing in from the moon. I know, but it's two hours. It's two and a half hours. But I've also got, I've also got the part two with uh, Les Thatcher next week too. So okay, it, so it doesn't don't, matter. Well, why don't you just play that and we'll skip it next week? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, we'll do we'll do the first half of it next week. So if there's seven matches, we're gonna watch the first three and a half matches. Uh, I already wrote it down, but it's in another room. Uh, the way to the best way to break it down. But yeah, how basically. many rooms could you possibly have? Yeah, just go in there right now. I dare you. Then, can we get back to the show? Can, and then you can get the beat down from your wife and kids. So you're done already? Jesus Christ! Well, you yeah, that's the first thing that. <laughs> That's the first thing they fucking ask you when you walk into the room and, and you're not done. Y'all finished? Yeah. No. Uh, Doc, thoughts on Dusty right there? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's okay. okay. Yeah. Doc, you got a beer or something you can pop open for us? Feels like you're a little lazy over there. No, I, I, I'm on some. Uh, I'm on some medication, so I can't be drinking right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, you don't need Hopper, alcohol to Hopper, <laughs> Hopper, you should have heard what I told him in the pre-show. I said, I want you to pull up to my house one day. I'll be sitting in my garage, sipping on some Hennessy and smoking a black and mild. I said, what would you do? <laughs> you saw me sitting outside like that. <laughs> he was speechless. He didn't have an answer. <laughs> anyway, well, at least I think nice. he didn't have an answer. That's classy, right? Yeah. All right, let's keep going. The new breed defeat David Isley and Terry Jones in the, the first match on the card. Uh, Doc, thoughts on the new breed? Play 238. 238. Let me go back to it. 238. All right, this is 230, so hold on. That'll work. Live matches down there, and that should be some some great things going on at the UNO Lakefront Arena Thanksgiving night. Head toss. He said, "Good drop." He said, "Thanksgiving night, bro." They were running. Think... An, they were running another car down there with like new breed and shit. Do you really think my mama was taking me yeah. to wrestling on Thanksgiving night? Yeah, th- yeah, that wasn't happening. <laughs> Boy, you better go eat some fucking food and get out my face. Is what I was doing that night. Were y'all were y'all carving up the Thanksgiving squirrel? <laughs> the, we were carving up the the spam. The yeah. spam and that yeah. that big that big brick of government cheese. Yeah, boy, you know it. Mm-hmm. Good shit. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I'm gonna take it. We've none of us have anything from that match, but no. there is a promo. There's a pro. I gotta play their promo because these dudes, Jesus Christ. Uh, here's the new breed after their match and after their win. Alluding too many times, the sheep herders during your match. Right there. Perfect example of what's gonna happen. Starcade night. To the sheep herders. The two from New Zealand. The two bloody mates who are gonna look awful bloody on Starcade come Thanksgiving Eve. Tell them my man Sean Royal about Starcade. If we didn't know any better, <laughs> you boys say that the sheep herders are nothing more than a couple of little kiwi beds. Little kiwi beds. And we'll pluck him like we pluck Pleasant Mike. Starcade 87, New Orleans in a cage. The Sheep Butters have signed for the last match. The very last time the Sheep Hunters will ever get in the ring is with the new breed on Turkey Night. 
We're fighting to the last man. The last man. We're on the march. And the new breed is going to take it. 2002 style. Nobody will have to worry about him ever again. And you two sheepherders and everybody coast to coast. Watch. Because you're going to see the new breed fly like we've never ever flown before. All right, I had to play it because I thought Sean Royal was hilarious imitating the sheep herders. What did you have, Doc? Oh, that wasn't Harper doing Becky Lynch? <laughs> Be- Becky Lynch is, is not from New Zealand. I'm sorry, Doc. She's from Ireland. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. That shit all sounds the same. Harper, any thoughts on the new breed right there? That guy does good impersonations of people, huh? Imagine I being the- in, in, in a fucking <laughs> locker room with him. <laughs> Having to deal with that shit, like in the car, driving to a show. Mm. Harper, I got the same exact note because you know there are dudes like that in the wrestling business now, yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, they're they're hilarious, but eventually, like, it'll get old, but it's yes. still kind of funny. <laughs> but he's awesome, man. Like he he's Im- he's imitated Dusty. That you know he's imitated the sheep herders. He did that Marvin Martian bullshit that one time. Jesus Christ. That guy's hilarious. Sean Royal is great at imitating people. Here's man. what I don't understand. What? I haven't seen them fight once and now they're gonna settle it in a cage. Here's here's what I don't know. I, and I don't have the, the UWF book, but I, I'm I'm gonna put it I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they probably had done some shows like on quote unquote UWF branded shows, even though UWF had been bought right now. I'm I'm betting I'm betting I'm saying UWF. They 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 would have done shows where they wrestled the sheep herders, like out in the towns. And I'm betting that's what that's about. Okay. I mean it hadn't been showcased here because this is Saturday night and that's just, just not gonna be on here. But I I'm betting they were they were, you know, doing some things and that's that's why. And remember okay. the sheep herders are the UWF champions too right now. Oh yeah, that's a prestigious belt. That's it is, nice. motherfucker. Uh, all last- right. So- are they the last uh, champions for that title? Well, yeah, because I, I believe they... Oh, I don't fucking remember now that you say that. But those titles are... I mean, everything's about to dissolve that's UWF-related. I mean, we're that not sucks. far off from that. I mean, the t- TV title dissolves next week on Starcade. Um, so, yeah, we're we're getting to that point. Does the, um, uh, does the, the uh, Southwest title dissolve at Starcade, too? The what? Western Heritage? Yeah. Yeah, no, whatever that goes, it is. that goes into 88, pal. Oh. <laughs> uh, shit. God, he's been having that belt for a while, huh? I forgot who he beat for it. And nobody that, gives a shit. That's nice. That fucking. <laughs> that belt. Come on, bro. Yeah, it's the Chipotle belt. I mean, give me a break. Um. All right, so uh, where were we at? Is that like an was is that an actual NWA title? Sure, the Western title. Why not? That's no, wow. <laughs> Doc's like I don't give two shits. <laughs> Man, I I did some looking ahead in 1988. This shit's on a downward trajectory. Um. Just so you know, the uh, you're right, Hopper. I, I looked it up real quick because I wasn't one hundred percent. But yeah, Sheep Herders are the last ones to have those uh, UWF titles. So there you go. All right, we'll keep going. Uh, JJ and Lex were out there. I don't have anything from it. Doc, did you? 
The only thing I have from it is that that Luger's dressed like a fucking 45-year-old corporate finance dude who's in the middle of a midlife crisis and is about to go get in his red sports car and pick up college girls. Yeah. Is it because of the jacket? I mean, the polo shirt ain't doing it. It's just the jacket. I guess. That beige jacket is, yeah. I think he sounded good. He's all right. You don't have to play it, but he was pretty good there. Yeah. No, he he was he was fine. I just said I didn't have anything from it. I mean, he's no, me yeah. either. Except that he looks yeah. silly. All right. So then it's Mike Rotunda, the Florida heavyweight champion. He defeats Tommy Angel, our friend from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Doc, any thoughts on that? And Rotunda was two years too late. I bet that style would have really, really worked in like seventy-seven and not, instead of eighty-seven. Well, yeah. You act like he ain't been around for a while, though. True, but man, that Matt style where it was slower and he could really shine. Just don't think they were doing nothing with him during this time period either. I mean, okay. And then you know him and Barry as the what was their tag team in WWF? Yes, Express. Yeah, yeah, they were they were the damn fuck, good. The the fucking U.S. Cartoon Express. Remember that? I what? do not remember that. No. No. I bet fucking Travis Heckle does. <laughs> Just randomly calls on people. No, no. Say say your other favorite person that you call on every fucking week. Steven Jaworski. There you go. Call out Steven. He loves you. <laughs> you saw your boy fucking Johnny uh, Johnny Menzel got banned from the Canadian Football League. What? Fucking they, moron. Not what, did did he, what did he do, Harper? They didn't say. They just say, like, he's been, he's been kicked off the team and legit banned from the league. So, Galen knows what the fuck he did. Hmm. Maybe he got caught at a massage parlor with <laughs> sex trafficking the day of a big game. That's nice. Got to imagine a massage parlor in fucking Canada. Wait, wait. That's not it. It couldn't be that. Maybe it's that he forgot to kneel for O Canada. Oh. Okay. And here we go with the politics now. Yeah, now we're whatever. going to the border. Um, we go next to, well, first they play that dusty video package they constantly play as to say he's winning the title next week. Or Dude, they play that shit nonstop, huh? Him and... Rick. Rick. Every I love it week. When they show fucking Dusty with the white jacket and he's going back and forth. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's my favorite part. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought he was about to say more. I did too. I was like... <laughs> I was waiting for the punchline. <laughs> All right. Uh, we go to the Starcade Control Center. Uh, let's just... I figure we'll be the last time we're in here since it's before Starcade. And we've got a special guest. It's Magnum. He talks about how big Starcade is. And then they throw us to Starcade 85. They show a clip with Magnum versus Tully in the I Quit match where Tully never said I quit. He just said no. And then Tony yeah. has Magnum predict the Starcade matches. Hopper, do you have anything from this? With the uh, When they show him in a fucking studio? Yeah, they're in the control center. Um, no. Okay. Doc, what about you? Are you on mute, Doc? Yeah. I like that Magnum didn't just sit there 
with all his buddies and predict what they were going to do, that they were going to win, and that he put over uh, Arn and Tully and said he actually predicted them to win. I thought that was good. Yeah, he actually, I, I wrote it down. He picked Garvin, and, Garvin Sting, and Hayes because they're a net six man, so he's got them winning. He's, he says Dr. Death will win. He predicted Midnight Express would win. He predicted Nikita Koloff would win. He predicted Tully and Arn would win. Dusty would win, and Ronnie Garvin would win. But, you know, so... Um, he picked a bunch of his friends, but he also picked a Midnight Express. So there you go. And uh, Arn and Tully. That's true. That's true too. I was thinking Dusty and, and Ronnie when I was thinking friends. Uh, but yeah, he picked Tully and Arn. Okay. After that, they go to Sting, who defeats Cougar J. And then Sting wrestled. Sting Sting, Sting wrestled like a damn heel. <laughs> he threw the guy out of the ring. Yeah. There's your hero. Big American hero. There he is, Mike. I hope you're happy. Here we oh, go. Times, times are changing. Downhill and the brakes are out, pal. Time, mm-hmm. Times are changing. Um, that old well, clean man, cut, white I, meat we were, baby face. We were watching wrestling the other night, and he came out for Rick's birthday. I turned to my kid and wife and said, that's the guy who ruined wrestling right there. Sting? You heard me. Get the fuck out of here. Sting? No. He didn't, he didn't ruin wrestling. You sound like... Uh, you know what he's doing, Harper? He's saying shit for uh, shock value right now. No, he's like Howard Stern. Yeah, it's, it's something <laughs> like that. Just trying to shock us into... Yeah, that's all that's about. Um, Well, after Sting defeats Cougar J, he then cuts a promo. Uh, he mentions Eddie Gilbert screwed him in the past and yada, yada, yada. And then he talks about a new move Dr. Death brought back which will come to be known as a Scorpion Deathlock. He doesn't say uh, it here, but... So, yeah, so about. I guess he did it before Brett. So Brett... So I guess it, you could say Brett got it from him to a certain Brett extent. Brett screwed Brett. Yeah, Brett screwed Brett. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrestling. Everyone steals everything from everyone. But no one wants to admit it. Unless you're Triple H and you just break out a sledgehammer because you're going to kill a motherfucker. Why is what, anyway? What, what's wrong with know. Triple I, H? I just I just went random right there. Uh, Barry yeah. Windham then comes out after Sting, and Barry continues to promote his Starcade match, and then he addresses Larry Zabisco. And for some reason, I thought about you, Doc, when Barry was out there because I felt like you were either getting frustrated or just were like, "God, they're just ruining this guy right here." I. I just feel bad for I'm not frustrated. I just feel sorry for the guy. Feel bad for him? Yeah. You feel bad for Barry? Yeah. Uh, he, he he becomes a horseman. Wait, what? <laughs> how, you how, do you ever, know, how do you know that? Would you have ever guessed that at this point, Hopper? No. Fuck no. <laughs> how, okay, so that's a question then, Doc. How far away, how shocked, like I mean, it's hard to say you're shocked now because you know what ends up happening. But at this point, and what they've done with him now for six months, ever since he had a nice little thing with Flair, would you have ever imagined they would put him, get him back to the top? No. Pretty well, sad. maybe. I don't know. It's wrestling. I mean, shit. Why are y'all talking about this like it's real? Yeah, for real. What? We we still get that comment on the on the 
on 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 YouTube sometimes. Every now and then, somebody will post. Why do you talk about it like it's real? It is real, damn it. Uh, Kevin Sullivan comes out and he whoops Alan Martin's ass. Not as bad as Ronnie Garvin, but still beats him up pretty good. Doc, thoughts from that or anything before I keep going? Who was that? He whooped his ass. Sullivan and Alan Martin. Oh, he actually, yeah. I oh, yeah, part. I did have something here. Hold on a second. I got a timestamp on this shit. Harper, oh, while he's on. getting that down, what do you have from it? Yeah, he fucking beat the shit out of him. Yeah. 29, 29.34. 29.34. Let's go to 29.34 and see what's happening. All right, I'm at 29.33 now, and I'm going to hit play and see what happens. That style right there was made for a Buckhouse stampede. Look at that. The idea is to hurt somebody, and it's obvious that Kevin Sullivan is doing just that. Doc, you want to explain for the people that aren't watching on tinyurl.com slash BTT what Sullivan yeah. did and why you wanted to play it? Instead of the back scratch, he scratched his tummy, but not in like the way you would scratch a kitty cat's tummy. He like clawed his stomach, man. Fuck that. That shit looks painful. At least he didn't rake him across the nipples. At least he did, left his golden spike at home, but shit. Hopper, imagine. Can you imagine if he'd have raked him off the nipples, Hopper? Uh oh. Oh shit, is he taking a piss? I'm here. Hey. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, fuck that. But just he beat grabbed his ass. him. Just grab him by the chest and just start scratching shit. Dr. Death then comes out and defeats Thunderfoot number two. No shocker. Dr. Death then cuts a promo. Uh it was okay. Nothing like great or bad uh doc any thoughts uh hopper any thoughts before we keep going hey that's a great power slam bro it he is does, that's the best one out there he um it's, it's real he, nice mm-hmm. he does he does hit that shit really really good i'm actually gonna try to go back and, and play it because just the way he i don't know man he he just does so well when he picks him up and it just looks it looks man, he's when he's running around with him for a couple of steps man that I can't imagine that's the easiest thing in the world. You're going to get mad at me what I'm about to say right here. I don't give a shit what you say. Everything you say makes me angry. No, I'm not going to say it because I'm rewatching it and he doesn't look like what I thought he looked like. Sting? No. It's a a good power slam, though. T-Rex? Oh, dear God, no. T-Rex? Why would you say T-Rex? I don't know. I say something. Uh, hey, I think we need to listen to Ricky Santana, though, here. Why? Because he's talking about Flair and Garvin, and I'm just like, dude, come on, man. Stay in your lane, bruh. Yeah, it's the same shit. Um, am, am I the only one watching this going, God, man, is this a rib that they were pulling on this guy? Hey, go out there and talk about Ric Flair, the world heavyweight champion. I think they're Maybe. well. It's possible that there could have been some racial humor about it too, not just yeah. go out there. Okay, uh, Hopper, what do you have from it? Anything? Nothing. Fuck. This guy's a waste of fucking TV time. <laughs> just think of something else they could be doing with that fucking TV time, putting somebody else over. <laughs> Fuck. And then when he starts talking, wait, what, dude? Do you know how many people back then? would have just been like, 
Fuck you, you fucking foreigner. <laughs> I told you last God, year. God, that... Jesus Christ. Christ. I'm telling you, in 1987, people don't want to hear that shit. I told you last year that Manny Fernandez was a heel doing that shit. Right. Yeah, Manny did. You Manny did. El Corazon de San Antonio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not bad, huh? Duck. Como yeah, está? Right. Bien, bien. Gracias, amigo. All right, let's yeah, keep yeah, moving. Yeah. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. Let me speak on this. Odelay. La Raza. You bear that? The fucking Conan promos? Are you strawberries? I remember the Conan promo. Shit. God. Rick Steiner. What are we laughing at here? What's so funny? <laughs> I'm just imagining Harper doing Conan. I don't know. It's funny. Can you imagine Rick grabbing him? Rick Gra- like imagine Harper him. grabbing his junk doing that. Orale! Aviva la raza! While he's grabbing his junk like He Conan. probably goes out and does that to his mom before he goes to bed after the show. <laughs> Mama! Christopher, Christopher, cut that shit out. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Rick Steiner defeats Ricky Nelson. Uh, Rick Steiner at the beginning hits Nelson with a vicious German suplex. Dude, right off the bat, too, man. Talk about, we're just going to go straight to the, I'm going to toss you. God, I mean, he just like grabbed that guy and was like, fuck you, bruh. That's your ass. I'm about to whoop you. I mean, he just, and he plants him. Anyway, he flung um, him. yeah, he flung him. Uh, Hopper, anything from that? He's, I mean, he looks good, man. He looks like one of those guys that likes to fight for fun. Yeah. Let's go out and get in a fight. It'll be fun. This is, uh, we're getting close to, I feel like we're getting close to the last we're going to see of him too with, with, uh, get up he's got on as well. Why? I mean, well, varsity. I mean, I, I'm talking about varsity club at some point. That's what I'm. We're getting about. close to that shit. Yeah, I, I I keep saying that, but it it feels like it for sure. Uh, but Siner wins with a power slam. Um, I mean, belly to belly for the win on Nelson. He really looked good, man. I got to give him credit mm-hmm. there. Kevin Sullivan comes out and he is he cut and pasted last week's and the weeks before that and a week before that. This week he tells Ricky Santana to shut his fucking mouth, and then he keeps talking about Ric Flair. Uh, Doc, any thoughts? Not one. All right. Hopper, you? No. The Midnight Express defeat Rex King. And um, Cornette talks throughout the match as they talk about the Nassau Coliseum and the scaffold match. Hopper, any thoughts there? No. I thought the Midnights looked really good in that match. Yeah, but then when they do the promos, man, they just, it's like they're waiting for a bus. No, no, no. Uh Uh-uh. There's something in the promo that popped the shit out of me. What's um, that? Mike, go to 4819 and watch Bobby Eaton. All right. So uh, 4819. 4819, are you sure? Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh-oh. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Hold on. That fucking music is terrible. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I'm getting to it. Not good man after more than just 
It's only a few days till Thanksgiving, and the whole world is fixing to set their eyes on Chicago, Illinois. He's tall, Shivani. When you know it, when you know the backstory that he's like the nicest guy in wrestling, he just pawed Tony Shivani and just manhandled him out of the way. That was yeah, great. Harper, Harper, he put his left meat hook on Shivani and just like pushed him. Just like That's tossed funny. him to get in front poor of him. Old, um, poor old Tony. Uh, does Stan look interested? He's actually smiling a little bit during this promo. Stan, Stan if a, you had a thought balloon come up over that guy's head at that time, it would be like, ladies. Ass, ass, ass. <laughs> yes. Ladies, I don't give a shit what this guy behind me saying. I want you to think about that, what you saw on the ring. <laughs> you want a spam well, slam? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where the fuck was Fan Slam at? <laughs> well, remember last week too. Uh, he was he was helping keep the homeless, uh, not the homeless, the 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 home open for the single moms. Yeah, well, what are, he was impregnating yeah, bras. Remember that last week? Geez, Doc was nice here for it. I but I remember seeing it. Damn, I was like, how much of that's real? <laughs> Why is Gordy talking about this shit like it's real? How many little Stanfields are out there? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's nice. Ever, we got a bunch of kids running around the southeast that look like a mini version of Lex Luger. <laughs> There's your reason. All right. So, um, all right, after that, Ric Flair is out here twice, kind of. Um, I got to play this because he's promoting that Danger Zone DVD or v- DVD, VHS and yeah. um, then they show a picture of, of Missy. So let's give that a listen. Here it is. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair. What we got right here is the Danger Zone. The hottest team on the market today. The best meet the best the NWA. Woo! Get this, Midas. Get this free. Missy Hines live beyond compare. Once you've crossed <laughs> the danger zone, there's no going back. You better be ready to have your head torn off your body. Professional wrestling's most powerful and devastating. Okay, I can't. I can't. Um, Doc, your thoughts on this? If you pay twenty four ninety five for that tape, you're a special kind of sap. Yeah, and then, and then that that fucking calendar. It's like they got Missy Hyatt, and they're like, "Oh, okay, it's a Missy Hyatt p- a calendar." And then they show like fucking Jimmy Garvin in a thong. I'm like, who the fuck would want this? <laughs> he, he just starts screaming. <laughs> his hairy, his hairy ass sack is hanging out uh, the bottom of his fucking gym shorts. It's fucking, like, wait, but, the fuck? could you imagine? I was like ten. Dude, if I if you if you'd have had that if I'd have had that up at twelve years old, my dad comes to my room. You fucking fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all are so dirty. That's exactly what would have happened. Your dad would have come in and been like, "Why is it still February?" Because I'm afraid to turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) So, just so you know. If you're watching on Patreon, I, I've got the the month that Jimmy Garvin is on. 
God. <laughs> he's rubbed down with baby oil. Yes! <laughs> he's, got, he's got a fucking a red Speedo on. <laughs> I was like 10 years, I I was 10 when this was going on. Imagine if I was like, mama, mama, I got to get this wrestling tape. And this comes in the mail and there's like fucking Jimmy Garvin laying on a goddamn bearskin rug and, and show you what the fuck. It's already bad enough in their mind that you're still watching this bullshit. Now (laughs) you're starting to take on some homosexual tendencies. (laughs) Just like in the fucking the fucking Knoxville Five fucking video. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, did am I the only one that caught them say only one swimsuit calendar per order? Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was funny. So basically, only. they're saying you can only get one of these. Uh, we know y'all want you know the 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 only selling point of the calendar for most people, I think, would be Missy. Yeah, but the thing is, how many months is it messy? That's what I would want to fucking ask before I get a calendar full of fucking free birds and and, and flare and a thong and oh, fuck that. That's what I would like to know. At least throw fucking baby doll in there or, or fucking big mama or something. Oh, you hear his dad, it was Jimmy Garvin. He goes back out there and it's like, Jesus Christ, what's the wrong with that kid? <laughs> Next one comes along, it's Big Mama. He's like, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about the Jimmy Garvin one that's so bad is the look on his face and the pose and the baby oil just slathered all over him. <laughs> That guy wrestled hundreds of matches, and I've never seen him wear less clothing yes. than in that picture. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts on the dangers? <laughs> Fucking you buy dangers that, over. you're a special kind of sap. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then they got people giving testimonials. Fuck him. Oh, yeah. So what- With that woman's like, yeah, I, I get Ric Flair. I turn, I get Ric Flair. All, all, Anytime I want. <laughs> the fuck that out of here. Buddy from the office, man. Come on. Yeah. That was wait, a receptionist. Wait, wait. Yeah. Let me see. At the end of it, let me see if they say something. Oh, here it is. If you order the danger zone. No. And that's all there is. The perfect gift for everyone. The danger zone. Video cassette and free 1988 Jesus wrestler Christ. swimsuit calendar. To order, get your credit card. They got the address. That you know that shit took eight weeks to get there too. Good lord! Right. Nineteen eighty-eight was half over by the time you got the damn calendar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you know your yeah. punk ass went out to the mailbox every day for four months looking for that shit. God, remember that? God, remember shit like that? Used to. I remember when I was a kid. They they used to have this deal. It was called the. Uh, like the flagship points, it was on the back of GI Joe stuff. It was like the Marlboro Miles. You could mail them in for like the fucking you know GI Joe toys. And I used to check their mailbox every fucking day, waiting for like the Cobra his tank and all that bullshit. And it took like two goddamn months for that shit to show up. Every day on the way home from school, today's yes. gonna be the day. Today's gonna be the day. Uh huh. Oh shit. Hmm. Yeah, I used to get that Nintendo Power magazine. Oh my god, that was like a uh, a Bible. Yeah, it had all the maps to Zelda and shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's why people 
white people shit, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I never got the Nintendo magazine, dude. I'm sorry. No. But I know which one you t- I know what you're talking about. I I remember it. I remember it. You had some you had some white friends when you were younger? No, but I just remember the Nintendo magazine. I remember it, it was actually a cool thing, man, because you like you said, it would have like all the maps and shit and all kinds of secret shit. We used to sit there and just flip through those things for hours and hours. <laughs> Look at the same, same shit over shit. and over. Mm-hmm. Thinking, I'm gonna get this game. I want this one. I want this for Christmas. No, you ain't. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. You ain't getting none of it. You'd be lucky if you get one kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, now that we had fun with the danger zone, let's go to Ric Flair, who's now out here to spit some game before Starcade 87. Okay, the fans standing up for the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. That's what I'm talking about. You got four monkeys over here dressed like Dusty Rhodes. And you got four studs over here dressed like Ric Flair. Now those are intelligent wrestling fans. That guy is the coat and The bottom line is, Tony Schiavone, and put that camera back on me. We've had enough of this crowd control. I heard Magnum T.A., whose only claim to fame in his entire life is the 60 minutes I carried him in Atlanta, Georgia, because I didn't want to rob the public of the $20 they paid to see it. I carried Magnum 60 minutes. Gonna beat him just like that. So Magnum, you keep your mouth shut, pal. Ricky Santana walks out here in a $5 coat, a $2 tie, and he says, Rick Flair style and profile, man. Let me tell you something, pal. This reputation is long lived, it's earned. This is the danger zone. You ask around, pal. My whole life has been fast women, fast cars, dog period, and the winner's circle. Starcade, Chicago, the biggest wrestling extravaganza of all time. Jim Crockett made it possible, spent millions of dollars to bring the best wrestlers in the world together one night. Garvin, you've got my special baby right now. My gold belt, not the people's, mine. I bled, I sweat, and I paid the price to be the world champion. And in Chicago, pal, it's sold out. Sold out. Standing room only. Close circuit all the way around the country. That's right. Pair of new cable systems all over the country. Paying to see the best versus the best. In Chicago, Garvin, you're going to be mine all night long. But let's not forget New York on the 25th. Long limousine. Bright lights. Big City, the National Wrestling Alliance, taken from the best there is, takes over in New York City. Woo! The Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Here we go to the ring. Who wants to go first? I know he can't say it, but I, I think Rick should be like, I tell you what. I don't give a shit what y'all do in Jim Crockett promotions. I ain't going to Nassau the night before because I'm going to Chicago early to get ready to win my belt back. 
You want to give us a little bit more why you think he... Why would he go take over NASA all night long when the, his, he's trying to get his baby back? Not the people's, his. Yeah, that was the best line. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, the whole Nassau thing was a big deal because if you notice, they're all talking about it. I mean, we haven't Fuck played yeah. all of the promos, but they're 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 all talking about it. It's not like a little thing. They're they're all dropping it, you know, talking about this damn show. Oh yeah, how'd that work out for them? Uh, Cornette has told stories about it. <laughs> people up north don't appreciate good wrestling. No, they just don't. Okay, Aubrey, any thoughts on Rick right there? I I mean, like we said. I love when this is. I'm going to take back my belt, not the people's belt. That's mine. Yeah, it's mm. mine. Yeah. He he called the guys just like Dusty a bunch of monkeys. That's nice. Wow. You was, yeah, your ears perked up when you heard that because you thought you were going to be able to play the race card, huh? Mm-hmm. You're like, here comes the victim. He goes like, transform into victim now. No, but I yes, do want to say, I do want to say this. We got. It's weird. I know Doc, this makes Doc, like, Doc's blood boil. But it's very strange, in a way. There are, this show, the NWA show, is listened to by a lot more people than the Smoky Mountain show. And New Jack and the Gangsters have just come into the territory in Smoky Mountain. And New Jack called the NAACP a bunch of trained monkeys on a show we just did. And let me tell you, if you're not listening to the Smoky Mountain show, you're an idiot. Nah, I'm not going to say that. No, say you, it. You're you fucking got, moron. Go. We get up. We, we, wait, wait. We get up at the cra- ass crack of dawn on Friday mornings. Oh I don't even go to bed. Right. Harper doesn't even worry with bed so that he could be at his best for the these people. Fuck. And they're not going to listen. What kind of horse shit is that? Yeah. Well, How hard is w- it to go on Podbeam or wherever you get your favorite podcast <laughs> and fucking click on it? <laughs> Seriously speaking, if you like shit talking promos, at least start the Smoky Mountain Show on episode 130 because New Jack and the gangsters are in that bitch and it is fucking lit up in Smoky Mountain right now. Am I lying, Doc? No, no, absolutely not. We have renamed the government cheese the fifth of Henny, I think, but why are you talking about that right now again? Well, I just when Dusty said, he called the guys dressed like, uh, when Dusty, when Rick said the guys dressed like Dusty were a bunch of monkeys, I was like, holy shit. Um, and it just made me think when New Jack, this past Friday, when New Jack said, the NAACP, bunch of homegrown Negroes. I was like, oh, I'm like, no, homegrown monkeys. I was like, oh my God. So it just, that's why I thought about it. New Jack's nuts, dude, in Smoky Mountain. It's fuck. Anyway, he's a force, right. he's a force of nature. Did y'all also notice Rick got mad at the cameraman? He said, look, pal, that's enough of showing those idiots in the crowd. He played book. Time for some, right you there. need some True. crowd control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you what has control. It's the Road Warriors as they beat the hell out of Dale LaPerouse and Curtis Thompson. Um, and then we go to a Road Warriors promo where um, Hawk decides to quote the Bible. Yeah. Here it is. Pick up World Tag Team Champions, your own home 
talk me into the building doc what do you have from it man i thought he was good people promoters pay people big money to do stupid shit man (laughs) you pay a wrestler enough they'll pretty much do whatever you want them to do man he's out here quoting a bible (laughs) i was waiting for him to turn that evil shit into like the uh iron maiden line the evil that men do the evil that men yeah Lives on and on. Uh, I, yeah. I, I got a little throat problem. Bruce I can't Dickerson. get up high. Yeah, I can't get up high like that right now, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I have no clue what you mean, but okay. Oh, fuck. Of course yeah. not. All right, well. My, kid, we go... my six-year-old can sing along with the trooper, but you never yeah. even heard of Iron Maiden. Jesus Christ. Steven Jaworski has. Yeah, that's right. He saw him play at the Cleveland. He saw him play at the Cleveland Lakefront Arena or some he shit. He lives in Pittsburgh, you dumbass. The Allegheny Three River uh, Flaming River Nonsense Market <laughs> Arena. It's funny is when Hopper brings him up half the time, he'll, he'll, he'll say, you think I can with Steven Javorski in Pittsburgh? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> he has to call out his city. He didn't do that today. Damn, Steven Javorski keeps getting mentioned. Holy fuck. You want to mention anybody else, Hopper? You want to give some shout outs to all your friends over in the Who Facebook else? group right now? Uh, uh, Armando. Hey. All right. Who else? Any got anybody else? else? Should you say Ola? I don't know, Ola. but if you and Travis Heckle and King Chivas and all you other oh, yeah, motherfuckers guy. out on the group, y'all keep insulting Sasha Banks. I'm gonna block everybody. Bro, that that fucking action figure looks like what the fuck? If he does that, I'll start an I'll start another Facebook group for everybody. Yeah, right, Mister. I'm not on social media, but contact him anytime. We keep the show moving. We get Larry Zabisco, who defeats Larry Stevens. Uh, he is out there with Baby Doll. I got a question I, about Zabisco. Sure, go ahead. 
I like Zabisco just fine. I got nothing against him in the ring. He's different on the mic, but not bad at all. But doesn't he just strike you as a weird dude? You mean the way he talks? About everything. I don't know. It's, like, he'd be eating weird shit in the back, or he'd be into some weird shit with rats, or just... He's just an odd dude. Give me some I, weird shit with rats. Like, what do you mean? I, I don't do, know. Like, like, like a David Carradine what? type shit? Like, choking? Yeah. I don't know. It'd be like... I like feet. But I'd like for you to not wash them first or something, uh, you know? God, I don't know where you're going. <laughs> Larry Zabisco. I don't know. I like Zabisco. I don't I don't I'll, I didn't say I didn't like him. I actually do like him. He just seems like an odd dude. I guess he was Vern's son in law though, so maybe that's not the right I don't know. I think you're an odd dude, so I don't I don't you know I don't I'm don't a pillar of society, fuck nuts. Okay. Larry Zabisco and Baby Doll cut a promo. Um I thought they were okay. Uh, nothing special. Hopper, any thoughts? No. That's what I thought. Yeah. And he's, just start- he's just getting started, and he's coming in right at Starcade, so it's kind of hard to heat him up real quick. It's a it's this whole weird thing with Barry too, because Barry is wrestling Doctor Death for the UWF title, and then but at the same time. Barry's got now Zabisco on his mind. So, like, they brought Zabisco in before Starcade. So now Zabisco's promoing on Barry and Barry's promoing on Zabisco. It's just a. I don't know, dude. It's weird. The, the, the way they've treated Barry is not helping Larry Zabisco, if you ask me right now. Fair but enough. The Jive Tones defeat. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why, mm. why? What are we doing? What are we doing here? Hmm. What are we doing? Doc, I need I need some commentary from you on this. What are we doing? The Jive Tones versus El Negro and Booker T. Washington. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. This was fucking, is it Black History Month? What are we trying to do here? <laughs> this, this is November. This shit ain't February, man. <laughs> B.T. Washington, Mike's favorite wrestler until he saw that El Negro was in the ring. You think if he takes off his mask and he's white, That'll be awesome, huh? Dude, what would they... <laughs> Somebody wrote this down on the run sheet. I think <laughs> it's just a... It, it's got to be a rib. They're like, bro, let's do this. You ever you ever listen to... Well, you ever listen to Shaska cut a promo and think he got... He would have... He got held back because he was black. Mm, no. I don't think he got held back, though. I think he could have done more. No, I think I think Sheska was fine. I think what they did with him, I really like what they did with him in '86 with the whole. They thing could have done Bucky. more with that too. Yeah, I, I think, think they did a lot with him. Yeah. Now, my other question is, what if the Jive Tones just said "fuck it" one Saturday night and cut the same promo that New Jack cut in 1994 in Smoky Mountain, but did it on TBS in 1987? That would have been great. Yeah. Y'all gonna have to deal with if Shaska's like y'all gonna have to deal with me. I'm here and I ain't going nowhere. You can tell I, the Atlanta chapter of the NAACP to kiss my black ass. Can you imagine him saying that shit on TBS like he did on Smoking <laughs> Mountain TV? 
And if you don't listen to the Smoky Mountain show, I'm actually quoting what he said, except I just replaced Atlanta NAACP or Knoxville NAACP with Atlanta NAACP because that's exactly what he said in Smoky Mountain. My question is, is how do they have enough black people in Tennessee to form an NAACP chapter? Oh, shut up, you asshole. They might have fucking white people on it. They had one on the North Shore. The president was a fucking white woman. What? Yeah. Well, white is a color. <laughs> I don't know what Hopper's talking about right no, here. No, like, like the, the NAACP chapter in like Mandeville or something. It was a white woman. Wow, Mandeville. Yeah. Oh, like it was Covington or something. There's a it lot of honkies in Mandeville bro. too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that Mandeville, Covington. Well, not uh, Covington, not as much. But yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, dude, it's the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there. Never mind. I was gonna get into something, but we will keep moving. Uh, <laughs> the Jive Tones are out here cutting a promo. Uh, this will be the last one. win, gentlemen. Everybody's talking about Starkey. Everybody's talking about Starkey. But let me tell you, shut down. The Captain Jones, we are going to be there. Ain't taking no names. This is our punishment. And you, yeah, you, Ron Simmons, I ain't forgot about your football, boy. And I want you to know one thing. If you get your partner, maybe it'll be Dusty Rose. Mr. All-American Dream of Dr. Death. You and him played against each other in the Orange Bowl. Oranges, cotton, oranges. It don't matter. It won't be no bowl when we, the giant toes, are going to be on your face. Putting it down on you. Lex Luger, my money is on you. Ronnie Garvin, the hands of stone. Or turn it to the hands of cotton right there with Rick Flair. We the one. Sam Toons is here and we're here to stay. <laughs> Get ready. I'm going to let you know right now, ladies and gentlemen, you looking at the best combination black tag team ever to walk the face of the earth and we heal right where the best is the superstation i'm not gonna tell you another thing we ain't through coming at them we don't give a quarter and we don't take nothing but we get everything we want so shaska said they're the best black tag team today the irony is the irony is Boogie called him the best black athlete today, and he turned on Boogie and beat his ass and cut his beard. Why you got to bring up bullshit? I'm just saying it happened. I think they're the the only black tag team. No, they just beat <laughs> BT Washington and right. Negro. Oh yeah, that's true, huh? So they are the best. Yes, they are. He's not. He's not lying there. Whatever. Any, any other thoughts, Hopper? No. Eddie Gilbert. Defeats George Fox in the next match. And then we go to Nikita Koloff. I'm not going to play it, but I will say this. Um, and I want Doc's thoughts and Hopper's thoughts. But Nikita has made a full American transformation at this point based on his gear that he has on. Yeah. Do I need to explain what that is, Hopper? He has that fucking trucker's hat on. I think he has a, a T-shirt that's with Schwarzenegger on it, huh? Or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Orange looks, T-shirt, the trucker mm-hmm. hat, and looks like some maybe coach's shorts on when they show him. Yeah, 
those fucking bike shorts. Yeah, it's hard, and I don't think it's those as much as it may be just some short blue shorts. Mirror shorts. Good lord, yes. <laughs> God, and those assholes would tuck their shirts in on that bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, uh, Doc. Any thoughts? Not one. Uh, Terry Taylor defeats Bob Emery, and then Terry Taylor comes out and cuts a promo. And uh, Tony was getting all out the box with Terry Taylor, um, but I didn't have anything else from that. Did you, Doc? Not really. I mean, I like what Terry Taylor's doing because it's kind of different a little bit, but I know what's about to happen. So it is what it is, and that is Starcade 1987's Go Home show before the big event on Thanksgiving night of 1987. So I guess at this point, we got to rate this thing. Well, by the fucking Eddie Gilbert. Well, Eddie Gilbert said he cuts a promo at the end? No. Okay. I mean, he's out there with the... Yeah, didn't we just... Yeah. He's out there with the belt, but did he cut a promo? I guess not. No. I'm watching him. He's just holding the belt right now. Okay. I'm trying to see if he's going to start right. talking. Yeah, I don't think he does anything, Harper. Okay. All right, Doc, you rate this thing first. Um, Not as good as I would have wanted for a go-home to the Starcade show. Not terrible, but not great. And for that reason and many more that I don't want to talk about right now, I'm going to say... B plus. Oh wow, Hopper, what you giving it? I give it a B minus. Um, hmm. I kind of feel like Hopper, man. Yeah, because they didn't really do much. It was just a big old, you know, Starcade, 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 Starcade. Yeah. I, okay, I okay feel, I'll I, say I'll say D. Uh, yeah. No, I ain't going. No. 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 I'm gonna go B minus as well. I have to agree. Um, who are you giving your Rolex to, Doc? This is gonna shock you, but he popped the piss out of me. I'm going with Bobby Eaton for pushing Tony out of the way. All right. I mean, I'm gonna do the standard thing I've been doing. I'm just gonna give it to Rick. Give it to Rick. But... Yeah, because I mean, it's uh, it's. Well, I mean, uh, let me change it's... it. To I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to Hawk. Okay, yeah, that's true, huh? Because he was intense and he talks us into the building, in my opinion. Yeah, he did good. He did good. Yeah, because all his promos w- was all you know, blah 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 blah. See you there. Right, right. Whereas Hawk was real intense. He's quoting the Bible and shit. Yeah, so I'm gonna give, I give it a Hawk too. Yeah, Rick's got enough of them. Oh God, he's got three arms worth of them, and he's only got yeah. two arms if you don't count the baby arm. Mm, um, his his penis. There you go, Hopper. You're right. Let me let me play Eddie Gilbert's promo at the end. Here it is. Until I make my point, because Starcase is going to be my night, and there's nothing you can do to ruin it. One thing, Jay. I just remember one thing I forgot to I'll say is that the night before in Long Island, New York, Nassau Coliseum, Nikita, you may just not make it to Starcase because you gotta go through hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert himself first. So why don't you just leave Dusty, Ron Garvin, all the rest of them, the Hayes, the Garvins, all of them in the dressing room? You come out and prove to us that you're really the man that you say you are. <laughs> very good, Eddie. Very good. Yeah. Hot-
God. He looks like he's got a can of chew in his mouth, he man. He does. He's got dip in his mouth. Okay. I, it wasn't just me. I was like, he he really looked like he was chewing on something. Yeah. Um, you st- okay. Do you still do you still dip, Harper? No. I, I haven't dipped in years. Really? Yeah. Wow. What made you give it up? I mean, I just stopped. The desire to live? It's a, yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know. I just stopped. How many years, how many years did you dip? Not that many. 28. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gave it up. He gave it up six months ago. <laughs> I gave it up right before the red light came on tonight. <laughs> yeah, I quit. When did you quit? Uh, uh, just I... now. <laughs> been, been thinking about it for a while. <laughs> fucking dip, man. Hey, what, what kind did you dip back then? Well, skull. Well, first I did like uh, skull, and then I started doing chew, mm. and and I prefer chew better than 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 fucking dip. It tastes better. It tastes like fucking raisins. <laughs> you just sit there and chew on it and chew on it like a fucking cow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh boy, we gotta get to. (laughs) Can you imagine if I showed up at a meeting where we work with a a ball of chew in your mouth? Yes. First of all, I'd be escorted out. I mean, it's disgusting now that I think about it. Because you gotta walk around with the the spitting in a goddamn cup with the paper towel in it, and it's it's fucking gross. (laughs) Doc. Can you imagine if I walked into a meeting with a bottle of Hennessy and a black and mild? <laughs> that no. would be nice. That okay. would be nice. Make the meetings go better, I can tell you that. Um, all right. Why don't you tell us about all the people that you need to talk about that Harper and I don't give a shit about? No, actually, I just need to mention the Amazon referral link. It's tinyurl.com slash Amazon. Great way to support this show. Go buy Bobby Blaze's books, Pin Me, Pay Me. Uh, go buy Death of the Territories. Go buy anything and everything you can get off of Amazon. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash Amazon, And give that link to the wives, girlfriends, hoes, and side pieces in your life. And tell them to use it each and every time they purchase on Amazon. Uh, I don't have to pimp anything right now because we actually got to get over to Les Thatcher Part 1. Did you forget, Doc? No. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Harper, why don't you hit the tagline and uh, get us over to that right now? Book it, bitch. At this time, I'd like to welcome in a man who has been involved in pro wrestling for a very long time. Uh, he was the 1967 NWA Rookie of the Year as presented on CWF in Tampa, Florida. He won many awards with Southeastern Championship Wrestling out of Knoxville. And for the purposes of today's recording with Booking the Territory, he is former Smoky Mountain Wrestling commentator, Mr. Les Thatcher. Les, welcome to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast, and thank you for your time today, sir. Well, that's great, Mike. It's a pleasure to uh, to be on with you. I've listened to your show a few times. Uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. The first time I ever ventured uh, onto uh, Booking the Territory, uh, some one of your guys made a comment that, uh, well, Les and Bob, there's no he on. I thought, okay, that's enough. I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, 
I'm not into sports entertainment uh, announcing. I don't do that. But, you know, the truth is, uh, probably before you guys were born, there was no, I mean, if you had a heel that was a wrestler on to sit in, uh, but you know, I've, I've worked, uh, well, I, sh- I shared the mic with, uh, Soli in Atlanta in 73 and 74. I've worked with Cottle with Lance Russell, uh, with, uh, JR and it was never, uh, heel and baby face. It was a play by play guy and a color man. One of the nicest compliments I think I ever got was, uh, a couple of years, a few years ago, someone had uh, sent any, uh, a question to uh, Jr. Uh, about how he, you know, how he felt working with me as his color man. And he said, "I never looked at Les as a color man. I always looked at him as an analyst." And that is exactly what I tried to be. So uh, I, I never was a character as a wrestler, Mike. So I, I don't know how to be a character as a commentator either. I, yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, you actually bring up a good point because, like I was telling you before we started, you know, watching Mid-South Wrestling as a kid, you know, w- there was no heel commentator. I mean, you had, um, uh, you know, you, you had uh, Bill Watts and oftentimes, you know, he was with Boyd Pierce or you had Jr. and he's with Boyd Pierce. So, I mean, you you had you had different situations where the, you know, commentary wasn't always how can I say it? You didn't have a heel. I think what me and the guys were talking about was more or less when when it was um, Dutch Mantel when he first leaves. It's a it's a different uh, dynamic with you and Bob. Sure. I always say it's a it's a good dynamic, but it's definitely different because Dutch, as you know, is so <laughs> he was so charismatic and good as a quote unquote heel commentator and giving Bob Cottle a hard time because that was part of the interplay of it and what made it really, really entertaining. I think you and Bob are really good together. You'll have good chemistry. It's just different. It's you, you know, it's a it's a different take on things. And but you do bring up a good point because back in the day you didn't have a heel commentator and uh you know a baby face play by play guy. It just didn't work that way. Uh, you know, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I, I look at uh, when I first started doing that well, first of all, I, I began, you know, uh, being a commentator in uh, Eastern Canada in 1970. But uh, and then there were no co-hosts, right? You you did the whole thing on your own. But right. uh, the first time I ever sat in, with, you know, I always looked at it like, okay, I well, of course, my wrestling career overlapped my broadcasting career. So for the first uh, almost the first ten years of that, uh, I was both, you know, worked both sides of the street, I guess you could say. But uh, I always looked at it, okay, you know, uh, you, you listen to a, a football player, an ex-football player, an analyst, or an ex-basketball player, uh, they don't wet themselves over a little five-yard flare-out pass, right? They've, see, they've done that a million times themselves. They've seen that a million times themselves. They uh, get emotional whether there's something actually, you know, they take the people with them on that emotional ride. And I quite frankly, and, and I don't mean to step on anybody's toes because I realize it's a different era. But, uh, you know, when I hear an ex-wrestler having multiple climaxes over a headlock or something, I'm just thinking, you know, what are you selling? You know, it's uh, it just it, it doesn't resonate with me. And it, I don't think it fits actually with the personality. You know, it's. Well, and of course, today, we're, you and I are going to talk more about Smoky Mountain Wrestling, but in uh, 2019, the, the crazy thing is virtually everyone's a character, so nobody gets over. Yeah, that's a good point. There's every, everybody's screaming and yelling, and no one gets exactly. over. Yeah, 
That's a that's an excellent point. You make a you make a real good point about some of the commentary you hear today. And, and like you said, you were mentioning to me before we started recording. Uh, you know, it, it would almost in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, you didn't have somebody in your ear the entire time, calling everything, telling you what to say, telling you what to do. Uh, those guys, they don't have that luxury. I mean, they they they've got an earpiece in and they're hearing every single thing. Whereas, like you said, you kind of just reacted to everything organically, and and you and Jr. during your commentaries together, uh, you kind of just went with it and and called it as you saw it. Yeah, it was, and you know what? To me, I, I think that's, uh, well, I think JR is the last, I guess, of a dying breed, and, and I hope that AEW, and I'm assuming that's where he's going to end up, and if he doesn't, they're crazy, uh, you know, uh, that that's what separates him from everybody else uh, on the microphones today, is that he can make an average match good, he can make a good match better, uh, but he also tells a story, and he enhances what's going on in the ring. He's not selling you a, a website or a, or a network, or uh, you know, or, or just making uh, you know crazy assumptions that that so many guys are doing. But I realize, you know, it it, it comes down to this, Mike. It's a job, and you you know you do what you're paid to do. Absolutely, absolutely. So speaking of uh, the job and being on commentary. Uh, we have just reached the point where the gangsters have come into Smoky Mountain Wrestling, if I can uh, pivot to them. You sure. mentioned in a in a response to longtime listener of ours, Armando Martinez, on Twitter, that the gangsters were a unique, fresh, cutting edge and ahead of their time. They had so much heat, you were afraid at times they wouldn't get out of the building. If you could, please expand upon that and share your other memories of New Jack and Mustafa in Smoky Mountain Wrestling as the gangsters. Well, you know, first of all, I got along with both those guys. Um, I'm a bit of a Bolshevik myself, you know, or a rebel or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, well, you realize it, it, during that time, you, you brought these two guys into the southeastern United States. And a right. lot of these in, in that area are still fighting the war, for Christ's sake, right? And so you uh, you got to understand that, uh, especially when New Jack is uh, making O.J. Simpson out to be a hero <laughs> and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I, I remember the first, I forget what, what town we were in when they first uh, they first came on board where we were doing, you know, we used to do a series of four, four shows, a month's worth of shows at one sitting. And... Um, at one point, I was I was out back, and uh, I just overheard one of the uh, deputies, police officers, security guys. What I mean, I'm not sure exactly what his you know uh, designation was, but uh, I'm thinking, wow, you know, he's liable to end up shooting one of these guys, opposed to seeing that they get out of town. And and I kind of said to him, I said, you know, uh, it's obviously up to you guys to be sure these guys get out of here tonight and i'm thinking uh this is crazy you know uh i mean obviously back then we were we were still selling the business basically as a shoot right i mean right. at least in smoky and uh so and, and you realize a lot of the fans in that area i i, I wrestled uh a lot in in uh you know uh, that east tennessee uh, uh west virginia um kentucky area uh, from nineteen what nineteen sixty eight uh, off and on up through you know you mentioned southeastern and uh, that was seventy four through eighty one and so uh, I, I know the people 
and uh, I, I know how passionate they are about wrestling, and I also know about a lot of their political views, which aren't necessarily mine or, or shouldn't be theirs, actually. But uh, so these guys, you know, they obviously stood out. Do you, I don't know if Jimmy ever mentioned this to you or not, and I know you guys have conversations. You've been on his show, and he's been on yours. And, and by the way, he's one of my favorite people, too. Um, but uh, he had thought at one point to bring Tony Atlas in and have Tammy manage Tony. Yes, he he told us that he the first time we had Jimmy on our show, he mentioned that to us because my co-host Doc said, "Did you ever think about putting Tammy with New Jack?" And he said, "Well, my original plan was to put Tammy with Tony." So we we found that to be ironic. But yes, he did mention that to us. Yeah, so uh, I mean, it was heat, and, and I I won't say at some points maybe it was over, you know, overdone, but you know, realize that New Jack Mustafa. Those guys, it, it was kind of raw talent. You know, it wasn't like these guys were seasoned veterans. It wasn't like you brought in a Sonny King or a Tony Atlas or somebody that, you know, had been in the business for a long time and, uh, you know, realized there were going to be boundaries. So there weren't any boundaries for these guys. And I, I'm relatively sure that I'm probably right that probably by the time they left the territory, uh, I think there were probably three or four rest of warrants out for New Jack's hide at some point in time. So if they, if, you know, to say they got over it, I guess it'd be a gross understatement in terms of their heels and they're getting heat, you know, they, uh, you know, but again, they weren't aware of where to shut this down. You know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, I can think back to my in-ring career and a lot of the old veteran heels you work with, they knew they'd take us to the edge where, they could feel the crowd building. You know, if we go one step further, we're liable to have a riot on our hands, right? Uh, and so they knew where to shut it down. But these guys were relatively green. So it was like, we're throwing this against the wall. We're not sure what's going to stick and what's not. But, you know, I, like I say, I had a good relationship with these guys. And with New Jack, I told him a couple of times, you know, I said, uh, Jerome, you've got to understand that people calling you the N-word, you can't fight everybody that does you got to take that as you're getting over, right? Because you're a heel, and that's what you're trying to create, that kind of situation. So you can't go out there and throw punches at everybody that, you know, calls you a, a racial slur. You just can't do that. So it, it, was, it was a learning period for them as well as for us, I guess. Absolutely. Um, and you, you mentioned a second ago, you were talking about, you know, he, he's eliciting a response when he's getting that type of reaction from the crowd, which is his point. You mentioned them. I don't know if you said they went too far, but did you ever think they went too far as per the example when the the, the night they debuted in a, it was Warrensville, North Carolina, when New, New Jack said he thanked OJ for um, basically uh, having two less people to worry about. Uh, did you think that any not just with that, but did you think at any time he he almost went too far or was he just doing his job? Because I feel like he was just doing his job. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, you know, well, you know, Jimmy a little bit, so. Uh, there's sometimes I'm not sure he understands the boundaries, right? But, and, and when I say that, I love him to death. I, yeah. it, it, I, I've known Jimmy since he was a fan, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I think that uh, they were pushing the envelope, and there were times I don't know if I if I just at that particular point looked at it as they've they've gone you know one step over the line. But uh, I, I might have cringed a little bit myself, realizing at that particular time, you know, that that was that OJ thing was such a sore subject anyway, right? And yeah. so uh, it created, uh, you know, uh, 
friction on both sides, you know, whether you were for or against, whether you believed he'd done it or he hadn't done it, uh, you know, it, it created a lot of, uh, uh, you know, heated discussions with people. So, um, yeah, I, I would say I'd have to say, especially in that area, you know, if we were talking about urban Atlanta or New York or something, you know, maybe not, you know, because it's, it's, it's a whole different area. But there, yes, I, I would have to be, you know, honest to say, yeah, they, I'm sure they, uh, they took a step or two over the line occasionally. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, we always say it's, uh, we're, we're actually going to record a couple episodes tonight. Uh, it's uh, the third and fourth one that they did or when they were in. Actually, I'm thinking about a third and fourth. Uh, technically, it might not be the third and fourth. Uh, it, one of the episodes we're covering is actually Night of Legends, but it's the abbreviated one that you and JR did where um, they only aired like three matches. Uh, they ha- the Heavenly Bodies against um, Storm and Jericho and then uh, New Jack and Mustafa had their promo. And I think there was a Legends match in there as well. So uh, rock and roll on that one. We're going to review that one tonight. It's just interesting when you hear New Jack cutting those promos i mean he he really did a good job of getting a reaction from the fans and uh and jim Cornette did has told us that um he the heat was good in the big cities he said the only problem was that the smaller towns uh the fans were so upset a lot of times they wouldn't even come so uh i guess that answers our question <laughs> too far yeah right? yeah yeah it, it certainly does you know it's funny i give you a, a quick story uh when i had heartland wrestling association here and I went, you know, was uh, one to point uh, uh, developmental trainer for WCW, and then again for WWF slash WWE. Uh, New Jack uh, had uh, a friend or, or some kind of connection with Dayton, Ohio, which is just fifty miles north of me, up I seventy five. And uh, he called me one time and said, uh, "Hey, you know, brother, uh, you know, when I'm in town, if you can use me on a show, I'd be more happy to work for you." And I said. I said, I don't think I can afford you. He said, oh, you know, I cut you a good price. I said, no, it's not your payoff. It's uh, bail bonds and getting you out of jail. This is the problem. I think it's going to be the most expensive. <laughs> so, but like I say, I, I think Jimmy would probably tell you, Jimmy would actually probably uh, have the figure more, you know, uh, tightly uh, tied down than I would. But I think he had, like I say, two or, at least two or three restaurants within that area with his name on them before he left the territory. Oh my, yeah, something else. So, uh, it, it's I will say this: it is it is it is good TV. At least we were watching with them in the territory. Hey, you mentioned uh, on Twitter that working with Bob Cottle was special to you. Uh, we are obviously huge Bob Cottle fans. God bless him; he's still living. He's uh just a uh, just you know listen to him on commentary. He's just got that voice that you're so familiar with from whether it be Mid Atlantic or WCW. And now uh, we're getting to the point where his run is about to end in Smoky Mountain. Uh, talk a little bit about working with Bob Cottle, such a special person uh, on commentary. Well, it's just you know it's, a, it's such a smooth uh, thing to do. And of course, you know with with me uh, as a wrestler, uh, you know I. Was I had you know been on shows you know when I was in, working the Tampa territory with Soli and then obviously the, when I came into the Carolinas uh, the first few times before I started doing broadcasting myself you know as being on with Bob but uh, you know he's I've been you know my here's I have been blessed in my in terms of broadcasting career I have shared a microphone with Bob Cottle Lance Russell Charlie Platt Ed Caprell Jim Ross and uh, who am I Gordon Soli. So if that's kind of not the Mount Rushmore 
of, of wrestling broadcasting. I'm not sure what the hell would be. And, uh, you know, so it, it's just, well, that, you know, I had uh, that first show that we did together. And if, I guess if you were watching all these things, you, um, uh, but I, I had said to Jimmy, uh, you know, we had done some, uh, some pictures of Bob and I, when we were doing Atlantic, uh, uh, simulcast. They used to, in Raleigh, we used to uh, double tape. In other words, we were both talking about the same matches, but I, I had the B show and my desk was over here and Bob's was on the other side and they were uh, running two tape machines upstairs, right? So they're picking up two different uh, broadcasters, but the same match. And so uh, for the uh, Mid-Atlantic Magazine and program, there was some pictures, of black and white pictures of Bob and I together. Both of us obviously quite a bit younger. And so that first time that we did the broadcast together, Jimmy opened with that black and white picture and then faded us at the, at the smoky desk. And so Bob and I have quite, you know, quite a history together, but he's a special guy. I mean, he's just a sweetheart of a guy and so easy to work with. And we did a, I don't know if they're still out there or not, but a few years ago at the, um, uh, excuse me, the Charlotte Fan Fest, uh, high spots had us sit down. It's, it, they called it, uh, old, uh, they had a series called old school and we sat down and uh, talked about our times working together in mid Atlantic and, and, and smoky together. But, uh, yeah, Bob's, Bob's a treasure. He really is. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a guy that, uh, he never, and that's something about most of the old broadcasters that actually were serious in, in, in you know, when I first started wrestling, a lot of the, the TV shows, the host was, you know, a local, uh, disc jockey or a local TV uh, weatherman or kitty show host. And so a lot of their commentary was to get themselves over, not so much the matches, mm-hmm. but that's, and the guys that I just mentioned to you that I had the opportunity to work with, that was never the case. Our job and their job. And what I learned from all those people was our job is here is to paint a more, a graphic picture of what you're seeing in the ring and help verbally draw you into what you're watching. And uh, that was, uh, you know, it was never about Bob Cottle. It was always about the product. And uh, I think that's what, you know, helped make him so special, especially back in that era too, you know, even before Smokey. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about working with him because I, I, it's just ringing in my ear and I'm, I'm visually watching it play back. A couple of weeks back, we were doing the first episode that the gangsters came in on. And, and I don't mention the gangsters again, but this is the example I'm thinking when you say that uh, they walk into the building and you are painting this picture of, you know, they got their own security because they don't trust the, the, the police officers that are in the building. And then Bob Cottle, as to sell it even further, says, it makes me feel a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable. Less, you know, just kind of, just selling the 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 circumstance and the situation that's going on. So, yeah, definitely, it, it's it it was interesting watching you two work together. And uh, like you said, the back in the old, you're right about the the old wrestling days. I mean, because guy, like you said, guys would they would have jobs with the the studio or the station, and then they would call a wrestling. I guess as part of that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Bob did as well, but still, he realized that that. Uh, doing the news or a segment on channel five in Raleigh was one thing, but doing wrestling was another, you know, again, it was, uh, I, I'm Bob Cottle, the news uh, caster here. I'm Bob Cottle, the wrestling brought you know, the wrestling commentator here. And he also, you know, so, uh, every, you know, everybody said, well, how smart were these guys? You know, and a lot of times 
I knew who Soli was for for a fact because I knew that before I ever uh, you know I met Gordon. You mentioned my uh, Rookie of the Year award, which was presented to me in Tampa, and that's where I first met Gordon and first heard him and realized there was somebody that actually called professional wrestling in a serious manner. Um, but you know that was the thing. Uh, Gordon was a broadcaster on wrestling, and of course later on that's what Bob became as well as Lance. And, and, you know, with Jim, it was always the case with Jr. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, uh, I, I, especially back then, it probably wouldn't jump off the page at, at someone in this, this day and time. But uh, to realize, you know, when, as a wrestler, when you've been with these guys who are wanting to make uh, funny remarks or, you know, uh, basically, to come on, like, get me over. And they didn't, you know, you want to say, listen, jackass, you know, this is not about you, right? You, if you bring me on your kiddie show, I'll get you over, right? Yeah. But this is not your kiddie show. So to work with people that uh, took what you were doing seriously and sold it seriously, because you realize, again, a lot of people probably listen to you. They don't understand, you know, that uh, the era of kayfabe, uh, you know, as a wrestler, if you were in a bar or a restaurant, and somebody got too disparaging with their comments, you say, hey, man, there's a big parking lot out here. If you'd like to step outside, I'll be happy to show you what wrestling is about. I mean, that was what we were expected to do and, and back in that era. And that's where Smokey kind of uh, uh, bridged that gap because uh, had somebody have knifed uh, Mustafa or, or New Jack or even one of the, you know, the other heels, uh, it in that particular part of the country, it wouldn't have been surprising. Realize back when I was a baby face there, uh, a guy by the name of Whitey Caldwell and I worked a huge series uh, when John Kazana had the, the Knoxville office with the Wright brothers, Ron and Don. Ron had 175 stitches in his back. Somebody, a fan had zippered him with a knife from his waistline to the base of his uh, neck. I mean, stop and think about that. They, you're talking about people taking the business seriously, and that's the way we took it, and that's what was expected of these commentators. But again, a lot of the promoters say, hey, I, you know, and realize we're talking about here too, Mike, the 60s and the 70s. You're not talking about, you know, the inflation. And I mean, back when we're talking about when gasoline was 23 cents a gallon, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, right? So, hey, here's an extra 25 bucks. How, how about sitting in for an hour and, and, and doing our wrestling show? Well, yeah, but I got to get my kitty show over or my this show or this, that show over. So when you work with a Bob Cottle or a Lance Russell or a Gordon Soley, um, you appreciated them because they were showing respect for your business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, no, I, I, um, I, I, I enjoyed all those guys. I mean, you're talking about Bob. We're talk mainly talking about Bob here, but I enjoyed all those guys. You, you tapped on something just now with Ron Wright. I have heard the story about when he was stabbed and, Got all those stitches. Um, talk about, I know, I'm thinking you were only in a few times when Rod and Wright was in his uh, main run in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, if, if I'm thinking correctly. I may be wrong, but it feels like when at who? the time, it, when Ron was on, when Ron was in Smoky oh, yeah. Mountain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you got any good uh, Ron Wright stories from Smoky Mountain Wrestling? Um, like I said, I've heard the, I've heard Ron Wright tell the story. I've heard Ron Fuller, I'm sorry, tell the story about the night Ron Wright got stabbed. But Ron Wright was a tremendous person in Smoky Mountain. And it's a shame we don't have more footage of him from his time that wasn't in Smoky Mountain because um, he was something else. Uh, that guy that guy was a, a heck of a 
God, he was a heck of an on-air person. It's hard to explain how great he was in Smoky Mountain he, to somebody who he wasn't. He technically wasn't a, a great wrestler. He was a brawler more, but his promos uh, yeah. sold the whole picture. Well, I, I mentioned Whitey Callahan. I had a, a hell of a long run. Uh, with he and his brother, and in fact, we set an attendant not a not a dollar and cents uh, record because obviously with inflation that's changed over time and again and again. But we set an attendance record at the Knoxville, uh, the Chaway uh, Park Amphitheater, that's never been broken in terms of uh, audience, and we drew a huge audience in that same amphitheater when it was raining, for Christ's sake, you know. But that's how hot Ron was as a heel. And, uh, well, you know, it, it wasn't uncommon. Uh, we had a brawl in, in Morristown, Tennessee, where uh, we got into a four-way, Whitey and I in the rights, and Ron said, throw me out and follow me out. So I pitched him and went out behind him, and he shot under the ring. And I went under after him, and so we're on our, obviously on our knees, and there was no, no skirt on the ring. So, you know, all you had to do was lean down. You could see for all four sides what was going on. So he he turned around. We started exchanging shots, and finally he said, uh, "I'm going to tie. I'm going to tape you up." I said, "What?" And he had a roll of tape in his, uh, you know, athletic tape in his trunks. So he pulls it out and he nails and he starts taping me to the uh, ring support, you know, one of the uh, the frame. And so he's obviously facing me, and all of a sudden I see his eyes get big, and I hear him swear under his breath. And I said, "What's going on?" Because. I'm not in the position to find out, but something behind me is, is happening. So he starts backing out, uh, going out, uh, you know, uh, backing up and getting away from me. And I'm thinking, what the hell's going on here? And then in my peripheral vision, here comes a fan with a knife who was coming to save my life, right? He was going to cut Ron. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the guy, the guy, when Ron, by this time, Ron's out and back up on the apron and into the ring. And the guy turns around and said, I'll get you out. Les, I said, I got it, man. I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't want you putting that knife near my throat. <laughs> but that's the kind of heat we had back then, you know? Uh, well, you know, they, uh, if you've heard the story of Ron Wright, Harling, he had a small single-engine Piper Cub. And uh, uh, they burned his plane in Harlan, Kentucky. Yeah, I've read the, I've heard so the story it, and I've read know, it. You, yeah. yeah, if you're talking about heat, brother, it don't get much more serious than that, I don't think. <laughs> he, he was he was something else. I tell you, the early days of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, too, about the first year for sure, uh, he was something else. I mean, his promos every single week. That's why I say I wish we had more footage of him. Every single week, he would just top himself with, the amount of of just heat that he would generate with all his his ailments and it just was something else to watch him. He was yeah. he was truly something else and being being able to, in my opinion, like that old adage of talk people into the building. It just seemed like he was really good at that uh, in his role. And then when he finally you know turns and gets some sympathy on him, it was just tremendous watching him uh, do his work. And um, it's just it's always fun to hear Ron Wright stories. Uh, I wish he was alive. I, there's so much I'd want to ask him right now. It's not funny. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was a character. There's no two ways about it. And of course, you know, in terms of the smoky thing, you give part of that to to uh, Corny's creative genius as well. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, to, I, I I'll say this today, uh, and uh, you know, I'll say it to anybody that's listening. Um, Jimmy Cornette is one of the, still one of the most creative minds in wrestling that's still above ground. I mean, legitimately is, you know. Uh, and, and of course, that was part of the allure of Smoky Mountain. Anyway, was his his creative 
genius. You know, uh, I, I mentioned the WFI, Wrestling Fans International Association, they used to have a convention in a different promotion's home city uh, around the country every year. And the fan, this was back when fan clubs, you know, and, and newsletters uh, were a big part of professional wrestling. This was in the 60s and 70s. And so in 1978, they had the convention in Knoxville. It was Southeastern Wrestling. And Jimmy won uh, Best Action Photo by a Fan. That's where I first met him. And, uh, I, you know, we initiated the first sit-down interview type of thing called Personality Profile on, on Southeastern Wrestling. That was one of my, uh, my brainchild. So anyway, I had uh, a guy by the name of Jim Ross, who, uh, not, not RJR, but uh, he was the president of WFI at the time. Jim Melby uh, it was one of the great historians of the wrestling business who worked up in Minneapolis with AWA. And Jimmy... Uh, was I had them on personality profile. We taped it on a Friday night before the show because at that time we didn't want to smarten anybody up. We didn't want to be in a studio with the boys, right, in case they see a heel talking to a baby face, although maybe they were smart. Hell, I don't know. But that's how I first met Jimmy. And I went to the hotel the uh, one night, and, and we were talking about different things. And I, I had ideas, you know, it was sharing some ideas I had for the opening of, of Southeastern because I had been given Ron Fuller gave me carte blanche to build me a show. And we had, uh, the best damn show in, in the business at that point in time. I don't mind saying so. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, and I knew Jimmy, you know, start managing and, and we had lost, you know, we never was ran across one another, maybe a, a hello here or there. So actually when Smokey started, Tim Horner called uh, Jim. Jimmy had Tim Horner call me, and he said, "Jimmy wants you to be his lead announcer." I was initially supposed to be the lead announcer, and uh, in part because of us me our meeting in 1978, and of course I had a history as as uh, you know lead uh, lead announcer uh, with uh, through Southeastern through several incarnations of Southeastern through Fuller and Barnett and then Crockett uh, Mulligan and Flair. So, uh, at, but I was also at the time I was doing competitive bodybuilding. Plus I was training bodybuilders here in Cincinnati. And I told Timmy, I said, right now I'm preparing for a contest. So I would drive you guys crazy because I have to eat every three hours and I have to have certain meals. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't have, you know, Colonel Sanders or, or subway or something like that because, you know, you're dieting down for a competition. So at this point, as much as I'd like to do it, I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I, and like I say, I was working with a, 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 a guy that had a, a gym here that trained professional bodybuilders and, and amateurs as well. So, uh, that's basically, I'm not saying Bob is second choice by any stretch of the imagination because I wouldn't consider Bob ever a second choice, but that's how Bob ended up being the lead announcer to begin with. So then one day I was, I was at world gym here, uh, you know, coming out of out of the shower, and, and the guy at the front desk said, you need to call home. Uh, Jimmy had had my mom's phone number. She need, Your mother needs to talk to you. So I called. She said, Jimmy Cornette said he needs you, and I forget what town of Kentucky it was in, Mike, but uh, Bob <laughs> Cottle's ill and can't show up, right? So I rush home, get dressed, get in the car, and run the hell down there, and that's, that's the first time I worked. Well, I'd wrestled Dutch in Southeastern Wrestling. Uh, we had a Nelson Ramon and I had a great tag team program for the uh, Southeastern tag titles with uh, Dutch and uh, old shooter John Foley, the old Englishman. And um, so I knew Dutch. 
And that's the first time we worked together. And then when Dutch was headed back to uh, Puerto Rico to be the booker again, uh, that's how it came that, you know, Bob and I started working together. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I actually was going to ask you that. My co-host, Doc, wanted me to ask you about how did it come to be so that you actually ended up replacing Dutch. Um, I did not know the story about you prior to uh, when Smokey was starting that you uh, initially may was maybe was going to be what well, I want to say maybe it was going to be, but that you got a call from Jimmy uh, to be the, the lead announcer. I do remember, though, when Bob was not at a set of TV tapings, and I actually had, I was going to ask Jimmy that question. I was going to ask Cornette that question next time I talked to him because I was wondering what the circumstances were around that. But it sounds like you're telling me, I'm thinking I'm, if it's the taping I'm thinking about, you were there and Bob Cotto wasn't. Um, and it was really weird the way it happened, but, uh, that's, that's interesting. So I think I, I actually think you, you may have answered a question I had about why Bob Cotto missed about three to four TVs at one point. And then later on, yeah. once Dutch is gone, you end up, uh, obviously taking Dutch's place when he, uh, when he went to Puerto Rico. So I was curious how all that happened, but, uh, interesting story right there you just gave. Yep, that's that's how it all worked. And then, of course, Bob, uh, you know, my God, he, you know, he put in a, a lifetime of wrestling and so forth. And it was just that he was getting tired of making the trips, you know. And so, and of course, uh, uh, you know, then uh, and Dutch came in and did a few uh, sets with me. But uh, Jr. had left uh, WWE or WWF at the time. And, uh, so, you know, I, 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 here's another funny story. You mentioned the night of legends, which to me, the, the lead into the, uh, the, the little segments Jimmy and I did as a lead in, I think is some of the best work I've ever done. I just oh, enjoyed I, it, I guess. Can I, can I stop you for one second and tell you about those? Cause we, those yes. are really enjoyable. And, and here's why I say that I'm not from that area. So while I knew a little bit about some of the stuff you talked about, Leading up to the Night of Legends, because uh, you, I think it was like maybe six, seven, eight weeks straight where those yeah. segments ran. That is some really good stuff to watch. You know, you kind of walk through the history, and, and it wasn't just recent history. I mean, you guys went really far back in some instances, but I thought that was really, really cool to do leading up to that big show. Well, you know, when I had mentioned uh, the amphitheater at Chihuahua Park, I did. A, I introduced a couple segments from there from out, out front of the park yeah. and from inside the park. I'm mean, inside the amphitheater as well. It was empty at the time, but yeah, but uh, yeah, that was so much fun to do. But so a uh, funny story, the night of legends is the first time Jr. and I had ever sat down at a desk together. And uh, I mean, I'd met Jim, uh, you know, and, and hello, how are you? I mean, we, we weren't bosom buddies. We had never worked together, never worked for the same company as a matter of fact. So anyway, uh, midway through the show, uh, at the legends, uh, you know, they, they took a break. The, the camera guys had to lo reload, you know, put more film in or whatever. And we went to the back to get a drink, use the bathroom. So as, as I was coming through, Terry Funk said, Hey man, I've been watching this on the monitor. He said, uh, that's the way a wrestling match should be called the way you and Jr. are doing. He said, how long have you and Jim worked together? And I looked at my watch. I said, about an hour and a half. He said, all oh, <laughs> bullshit. I said, no, that's how long we've worked together. But that's how easy it was. You know, and I've, I've, I've said, I guess I'm patting myself on the back. Well, but when you take professionals, it, it's, it's like a match in the ring. You may have never worked with this guy, but once you figure out each other's rhythm, uh, it just falls into place, you know? 
And that's what I said. These guys that I said, this is probably their Mount Rushmore announcers, wrestling announcers that I've been blessed to work with. There's never been, wow, this is tough, you know, or this is hard. I don't know how to work with this guy or this guy's, you know, it's always been such an honor and a pleasure to work with these guys. But one of the nicest compliments never actually was given to me face on but uh, Jimmy had sent out a, uh, a news, I guess, newsletter or something to all the the talent, the wrestling talent in Smokey about making announcements. This is we need to change this, do this or do that. And one of them showed it to me. And this is when Jr. and I started working together uh, there. And he said, "We now have the best announce team in the business." And I don't know that I could ask for a better compliment than that. And uh, Again, part of that is when you're working with great people, then it, they make you better. Yeah, that I tell you what, um, you and I really like you and Jr. on the Thrill Seekers and Heavenly Bodies match. I thought, I thought y'all, it was just really, really good. And I, I guess I realized that was you and him your first time together. But I, I mean, you don't. It's not like you're going to announce that. But it's interesting that that was, you know, you guys had only been doing it at that point for an hour and a half, uh, and, and it was really good. It was, it was some tremendous stuff. That was a great call though with those two teams. I, I really enjoyed that match. And oh my God, Jericho looked like he would. He just was slaughtered. The the, the amount of blood was. Uh, I've seen a lot of wrestling matches less, and uh, <laughs> that was a lot of blood. I mean, he really was bleeding. He was gushing. If Jimmy could have found a baseball bat to beat him over the head with when he found out he broke his arm, that would have been it would have been more blood than you saw in the match. <laughs> I remember that. We were we were doing promos in the back, right? And somebody came in and said, They've just rushed Jericho to the hospital and you I I Jimmy just what? <laughs> yes, he was he was trying this in the ring and he did and he broke I said, Oh, Jimmy Jimmy well you you've you've heard Jimmy go ballistic before, so I don't need to even try try to imitate Jimmy. And I thought, Oh my god, of all the times, you know. But you realize that the amount of talent that we had on that show and, you know, realized that Smokey was syndicated or was on, what was it, the satellite, the USA satellite or something, All-American satellite or something at the, that particular time, Smokey and ECW. And I think Jared's promotion out of Memphis uh, were all on this uh, satellite thing. In fact, it, uh, there was a small, uh, low-power station here in Cincinnati that, that picked uh, all those shows up off the satellite as well. But... Um, you know, it, it was, uh, we there had was a, there, fans. There was a ton of talent on that card, though. Yeah, like, we had fans from California in for that show. There, You know, we had, they had the meet and greet thing, uh, the VIP yeah. deal uh, before the show. And so we're, you know, we're circulating with the fans for that and taking pictures with them and this and that. And the other thing, so there was this husband and wife and a friend of theirs. Uh, who came up and introduced themselves, and we talked. And they were, from, I forget where in Southern California, uh, you know, but they're in Southern. I said, So you came in for a uh, fan weekend? No, we've got a flight out tomorrow. They flew in for the show and caught a flight out of Knoxville back to California the next morning because they had to be to work uh, first of the week. But that's, that's how hot that show was where it could be seen. I mean, and if you stop to think about, uh, in terms of the, uh, you know, you might call it a low budget, you know, uh, production in comparison to what WWF was at the time or WCW or anything else. And yet 
you know, the stories were that compelling and the people got emotionally involved enough to come from all around the damn country for that for that night of legends. Yeah, I've heard Jim tell the story about Jericho broke his arm. And the thing was about that, like everybody needs to realize they had spent X amount of hours on TV building up this match between the heavenly bodies and 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 the thrill seekers and Chris Jericho broke his arm. I thought he gutted it out though. You know, he came out there, he had the brace on, and he worked the match, and uh, he got through it. And and my God, he was bloody. But it, it was a it was a heck of a night. It really was. Uh, not not just the the matches, but you know, they honored so many great people like you know Ron Wright and everyone who got honored that was there. Uh, just um just uh, tremendous stuff. And uh. Again, I, I guess I realized it, but I don't know if I realized it, that you and JR were, you know, that was your first time on commentary together. So, uh, you know, not to not to toot your horn, cause, uh, but I'm going to do it. That was a heck of a night of, of calling the action by you two, for sure. It, it was it was just a great night. And, and you know, I, I think all the way across the board. Well, you know, uh, Phil Rainey, the, if you when you watch the Hall of Fame presentations, the guy that helped me the Hall of Fame, he yeah. was my first he was my first broadcast partner on um, Southeastern when we went to WBR, when we went to CV, uh, CBS affiliate in 1975, Phil was my co-host and he actually worked. He was a sports and uh, sportsman on another station on the ABC affiliate. Uh, and the, you know, but now here was a guy who'd never tried to get himself over. One of the cool things about working with Phil uh, on the Southeastern shows were, you know, as a fan, he, you know, he would, he would interject things, but he would ask me legitimate questions, which gave me uh, an opportunity to in, in, embellish what we were watching, you know, because he would ask, you know, well, why is this guy doing this? Or why isn't he going back to that? And uh, Phil, Phil's passed away, oh, I don't know how many years ago it's been, but really nice guy. And uh, yeah, so he was a guy helping with the, uh, uh, the uh, awards. And if you remember, I mentioned Whitey Caldwell. Uh, his uh, Nancy, his wife, accepted for Whitey that night. Whitey had, Whitey had been killed in a car wreck with some drunk driver hit him head on. And uh, but yeah, that that was uh, I, I say that's to me one of my the favorite shows that that I've ever been a part of. Well, you know, we talk about the thrill seekers. Uh, I remember Jimmy telling me these two young guys are coming in there, this and that, and and as. Uh, much as the gangsters got over with the heat and uh, you might say they were a little ahead of their time, but Lance and Chris were actually didn't get over as strong as they, well, of course they were, you know, it was their first uh, run in the States and they were still, you know, in in the process of improving their, their in-ring product as well as promos and stuff. And uh, they didn't, you know, the fans in that area, weren't as much into the aerial stuff. And so in actuality, they were ahead of their time when they came in there. Yeah. I, I've said uh, for, you know, when they come in, it's, it's so wrestling was so much different, you know, when I grew up, you know, cause like I said, I, I grew up on mid South and, and what, the reason I'm bringing this up is I, I remember, you know, when you had the territories and they were alive, I can remember guys coming in, 
very young, their first few matches, and they weren't judged immediately by, oh, you know, they're going to make it just on this one thing. And I, the example I'll give is, um, you know, I, I do a show with Brian Lass on the Mid-South Television Review Show, and we were just reviewing an episode a few weeks back where Dr. Death makes his debut. And when you see Dr. Death when he first starts, it's a total different person than you see him, you know, just three to four years later. The reason I say that is, and I've heard Jimmy say this about uh, Chris Jericho and Lance Storm. Like you see some of their early, I guess, work in the ring and, and how they look. They weren't bad at all. Um, you could tell they were they were young, though. And then but you also look at their promos. Uh, Chris Jericho's promos got exponentially better over the years. I mean, he's just tremendous. But you watch him in early Smoky Mountain, not say early, but in 94 when he comes in, he looks totally different. Uh, but it's just it's just nice back in the territories you would see to me i feel like guys would have more time to grow and and you saw that with jericho and landstorm the the area like you said they weren't they maybe weren't into the whole aerial thing and it's funny you bring that up because i can remember you and bob cottle on commentary even you know just calling the moves was different it sounded like for you guys you can tell me that um but if if i'm right or wrong but that yeah, was even right. different too so it was like they would do these innovative moves and you're right sometimes the crowd wasn't sure how to react or or wasn't sure what was what but they were definitely innovative i mean they were they were something else and i mean it's easy now to look at them and go oh you could see they were going to make it but you know who knew back then but they grew so much and they weren't bad it's just that you can see how much they grew from that time in 94 to i mean look at chris jericho he's still doing it to this day yeah and and lance is lance was a hell of a performer too technically yeah. extremely good uh, and uh, i've had the opportunity to work we've become very close and i've had the chance to work with him in, in training seminars and uh, he's a very talented trainer as well so uh, yeah so they both have uh, you know progressed in their own way uh in in different uh, avenues but still both of them continue to grow and, and improve on what they were doing That was part one with Les Thatcher. Man, that was a great time. I really enjoyed talking to him. Harper, great interview, wasn't it? I'm not trying it to put myself great. over or nothing, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm talking about Les. He was great, not me. I was just, I was just there talking to him. But uh, good dude, though. Real, real good yeah. man. It's enjoyed having him. Yeah, and we will air part two next week where everyone can hear the rest of it. But it really was a good time. I uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, Harper, we got to plug Wildcat Sports. So March thirteenth. Wednesday night, just um, about a week away from the time this airs, 601 Carondelet Street, New Orleans, Louisiana. That's true, the huh? Man, that's around the corner. Yeah, it's um, Wildcat Sports Lucha Libre. Can you tell me anything other than the fact that um, – Fucking Bestia. Bestia. Bestia, Black Taurus. Damien's going to be there. <laughs> Bestia's dad. That black Taurus dude is pretty bad, dude. He's um dude, it, and he fucking wrestles with with that mask on. Imagine Jesus how fucking Christ. hot that must be trying to I breathe can't. with that shit on. I will pass. Yeah, I will pass. Um, but it's uh, Lucha Libre Wildcat style Wednesday, March thirteenth, six oh one Carondelet Street, New Orleans, Louisiana. If you're there, so make sure you go check it out. Uh, Harper works for Wildcat, so go support him. If you're in the area, if you're anywhere near the area, so yeah. have fun. It'll be boys, it'll be a good card. Our boys are going to beat the shit out the Palm Patrol. Oh Jesus! Um, uh, Matt Lancey and and Edrin Stone. 
that should be too hard to beat the piss out the Pump Patrol. Though. I know, huh? Because they're, they're bitches, bro. Yeah, I agree. Total Jared, bitches. If, Jared Wayne, Kurt Matthews. Bunch of pretty boy pricks, bro. Johnny's hoe ass. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Most Fuck. definitely. But uh, that's that. So um, I'm trying to think, Harper. I don't want to miss anything, man. Go buy some T-shirts. Go join the Facebook group. Just search Book in the Territory of the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. You'll find it. Uh, that'll help us out. Also, become a patron. It's tinyurl.com slash BTT. You get all the extra shows, the world-class shows, the pre-shows that we do, the video review shows. Over 150 additional episodes are up at Patreon at tinyurl.com slash BTT. And um, I think that's about it, man. So, uh, Harper, anything else before we get out of here, bud? That's it, bro. I got something for you. That's uh, what I wanted to play. I did this on the, I did this on the the pre-show with Doc, and I want your comments on something that I played for him, and uh, you and I talked about. I sent this to you the other day as well, but I got to play this for you because it's it's so great. It's a clip from The Sopranos, and tell me your thoughts on this after after we listen to it. Here it is. Just ready. Wash my hands. You just lost your hand. Then I tied my shoes. So what? I can't stand touching fucking shoelaces. <laughs> Ever go to tie your shoes and you notice the end of your laces are wet? Come on. Why would they be wet? I got no fucking idea. You go to public bathrooms? You stand at the urinal? Oh, fuck. Come on, will you? He's asking me. I'm telling him. And frankly, it's important. Even if the lace is dry, and even if you don't touch the body of the shoe, Bacterium virus migrate from the solar. You see this on TV? I gotta watch TV to figure out the world. Your average man shit ass is a fucking sewer. You look at ladies' johns, you could eat maple warm and ice cream from the toilets. Eh, there's exceptions. But a man's? Eh, piss all over the fucking floor. Urinals jammed with cigarettes and more ball cakes. And they can pull all the fucking ice they want down there, my friend. It does nothing to kill germs. Even if you keep your shoes tied. And you're not dragging your laces through the oven? Oh, shut the fuck up. Uh, oh, bro, I love that scene. <laughs> Is he telling the truth? Dude, it's, I don't know, women's bathrooms could be fucking gross. Because they have periods. Well, he's, yeah, see, I don't know if I totally agree with him about that part. Because you're right, there, I've seen some pretty terrible women's bathrooms. Um... When I used to be a, a janitor, uh, old jobs back in the day, but um, he ain't lying, bro, about about like dragging your shoelaces, bro. Yeah, Man. bro. Ugh. Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? Fucking piss off! I can't stand it when you go into a, to a. It's like why you got piss on the floor, man? Why? It's right there. Just aim that shit, right? I can't stand it, and they piss all over the seat. For what? <laughs> I don't get Ugh, it, bro. I can't stand that shit. I don't. I, you're. I'm right there with you, man. Fuck. I'm. I'm right there with you. It's like, come on, dude, grow up, right? For real, grow just, the fuck up. Just the the urine all over right the there. Yeah, man. It's not that hard to hit the fucking urinal. Fuck. <laughs> uh, you know, you see some dirty urinals in during Mardi Gras time too. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. You know. Fuck that. Uh, all right, man. Well, we're going to get out of here. That's a wrap. I don't have anything else. Harper doesn't have anything else. Thank you to all the patrons out there. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Remember, next week, 
Starcade Part 1 and Les Thatcher Part 2. So for Mike and Doc and Hardbody Harper, Harper, do us all a favor, hit the tagline, take us home. Fuck it, bitch. Thank you to all the patrons out there. We appreciate you being a patron each and every month for booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast and making this show possible uh, twice a week with the Smoky Mountain Review Show and the NWA Show. And a special shout out to all of the Hall of Fame patrons, Marlon Mueller, Josh Warren, Everett Starr, Mike Childry, K underscore Row 86, Disrespectfully Classy, Marky Blassie, Jeffrey, Craig Norman, Johnny on Patreon, the great Don G... The great John Dean, excuse me, at YRC21. Josh Dunn, at Ryan and Auburn. Good old Justin, Robert Smith, Joseph Ice, Tim Arecci, the BTT, uh, what am I looking for, Tim? The BTT Research Department, there you go. Adam Price, Brian Evans, Mark Wilson, Armando Martinez, David Jordan, Jesse Jacobs, Josh Fields, Chris Myers, Gerald Green, Mitchell Johnson, Mike Pru, Will Parker, Jeremy Bryant, Classy Alex, Slider91 US, David DeVries, Frog Zeppelin, SV Pageum, Bill Salsa, Big Rich, at, by, at Spy Boy Sports Cap, Ari Miller 39, Dustin Roberts, Jay Shiny 21, Ruben Espinoza, and Merciless Jones, Jesse Lucas, Chris Browning, Justin underscore Andretti, Coleman 82, Marty Howell, and T Hog 94. Thank you for being Hall of Fame patrons. There's a lot of you out there now, and I definitely appreciate uh, you being Hall of Fame patrons. So thank you very much. And also, before I get out of here, you heard Doc uh, earlier in the show mention the bottom line cast so check out my buddy mike prue as they go through the career of stone cold steve austin him and his buddy jv break down the career of stone cold month by month on a weekly basis i believe now they are up to 1998 could be wrong but go back and check out their 1996 97 episodes 
or just dive in on the most current episode and enjoy. Uh, new episodes, they come out every single Wednesday on all their platforms. So there you go. Check it out. Mike Pru's show, The Bottom Line Cast. You can also follow them on Twitter, at Bottom Line Cast. That's all I have. Thanks again to all the patrons out there, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. <laughs>